FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. The listeners of this podcast are its main driving force. If you would like to support FGC Hollywood, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash forward FGC Hollywood, as well as leaving us nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. So without further ado, enjoy the show. FGC Hollywood, stay classy. It got cold in my house, man. I'm wearing like eight sweatshirts. <laughs> Can't use the heater or? Yeah, we can, but just to save on cost, you know. Yeah, I should use it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to, what episode is this? Episode six, right? Six? Uh, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's six. Is this six? <laughs> yeah, I think it's been six weeks. Yeah, um, nice. Yeah, FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast. Pringle, how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. You know, I just woke up a little... little... Like, you know, when you wake up and you're just like, ah, oh, what the hell am I? Like, <laughs> I woke up I'm like that today, dude. But yeah, I'm good, man. Outside of that. Discombobulated? Yeah, yeah, man. That happens to me, too. Man, I swear I had a dream of like, I, I swear in the dream, I, was, I went on a computer. And I was just playing Mad Maple Story. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that we'll was get the Maple dream. Story. <laughs> we'll yeah, get man. the Maple Story. Trust me. Oh, dude. So, um, yeah, last week we didn't have a lot to talk about. It was kind of slow this week. Not super fast as far as news and stuff, but at least we have a little more to talk about. I think I, I actually listened back to our show last week, and I think we made the most out of nothing. <laughs> we, we made, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was okay for... We talked a lot for not having anything to talk about. <laughs> so it was good. <laughs> this week's a little more interesting. We got rollback stuff, Guilty Gear stuff. Again, we'll recap, obviously, the, the Guilty Gear stuff that happened last week. We it happened live almost, so w- I got all the information this week, so we can get all caught up and all that stuff. But obviously, the first thing you can see there on the show notes is uh, it says Mac is old. Yes, I'm I'm old. I, I turned 27 yesterday. Oh, you didn't tell me. Happy birthday, <laughs> man! Thanks, I appreciate it. And <laughs> you know how you know you're old is when uh, you wake up in the morning and you have lower back pain. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's like the muscle aches, man. Yeah, yeah. So I'm feeling it now, old man Mac. 27, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> you gonna be walking around making it sound like that. <laughs> you know, when you I get mean, older, yeah. you just start making random noises, too. Like, yeah, oh, old man oh. noises. <laughs> <laughs> just grumbling. Yeah, man. I, I'm 28, so I definitely... The glory days were definitely 18 to 20 or something, man. I swear to you, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're, like, 22 right now, I mean, man, it doesn't sound like a lot, but, you know, five or six years, <laughs> just... <laughs> You have to savor being twenty. Yeah, dude, <laughs> I got gray hair all in my beard now, man. And like when I was like, I don't know, like two years ago, I didn't have like any gray hair. Like two or three years ago, I had like no gray it's hair. It's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, it's wild, man. But yeah, I've never had to wake up in the morning and first thing I had to do was stretch. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... <laughs> Brutal, dude. Oh, well. Yeah, but last week, you know, we were talking about the whole Waifu Wars things and how it uh, kind of took over the Discord. Yeah. And... We put out that shout out for people. Hey, if you want to come and join our Discord to kind of uh, talk in the public channels, you can do so. And it worked. We actually got like six or seven new members and Hollywood is growing. So that's pretty cool. The announcement that I wanted to make is that we're actually at 96 members now, which is Mm. pretty sick. I figured once we get to 100, I'll give away some uh, Discord nitros as like giveaways. And we'll see how we do the giveaway. I kind of want to reward the people who have been there for quite a while like legacy hollywood so we'll see we'll figure all that out once we actually reach the milestone of 100 but yeah the discord link is still in the description on the youtube video portion of this podcast and again if you're listening on audio platforms you'll have to go to youtube to find that link so join hollywood 
do you know the right number? Because I swear you're supposed to, there's a certain number of people you're supposed to have so that your Discord becomes like official or something like that. I don't know. I don't know if that, maybe I'm talking on my ass, but I don't know. Uh, so there's like a community thing that you can do yeah. with your Discord. So like it goes public and people can actually search within Discord for different groups and stuff. And we're actually eligible to already do that. The one thing I didn't like about it is that it has a self-imposed moderation on it. And uh. I don't know, people were getting censored when I hit the community thing. Like, I, mean, I don't know, it's just there was censors and there was cooldowns and we weren't saying anything terrible, but like you can't say shit, which uh. is... I don't know. I mean, we're all adults here. We can say whatever we want. So I took it away. So we're not a community. We're just a private Discord. So it's invite only, but it's a public invite. It, the, that link in the YouTube description, it never goes away. It's always valid. So you can hit it tomorrow and you can hit it next year and it'll, you'll still gain access. But yeah, the community thing, I just didn't like the mod on it. Uh, doesn't that let you do like uh, your Discord icon, make it into like a, a moving thing or a GIF or something like that? Or Yeah, it gives you a uh, bunch okay. of perks, yeah, but it also yeah. kind of tries to button you up and put you in a suit and tie. And I'm like, nah, this is, we're in a basement. Like, <laughs> Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I got you. Nah, man, we the, we the dungeon dwellers out here, man. <laughs> yeah. We play, we play old arcades in the dungeons. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We ain't, we ain't about that life. <laughs> Goddamn underground denizens out here, man. <laughs> Trying to esportify us. <laughs> yeah, man. We don't want none of that. <laughs> this is FGC. Yeah, man. So yeah, no community tab for us unless they do something with that mod. But until then, it's just going to stay the way it is. And I, I'm fine with the way it is. I like the fact that we're growing, but we're still relatively small. So you can still mm -hmm. keep track of everybody and kind of get to know individuals. Because once you have too many people in the Discord, it just gets like, it just becomes names and you don't really know anybody. But right now we have about, I would say, maybe 20 to 25 people in the mm -hmm. Discord that show in at random times. And I can kind of keep track of them and kind of get to know, to know these guys. And it's cool to build those relationships. But yeah, I think... You know, if we added like maybe like 10, 10 or more so people, we'll we'll hit like a nice little continuous flow of conversation where there is aren't those like dead zones, depending on your time zone and where you're at in the world. So yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. But I mentioned this actually on Discord and it had to do with one of my GameStop stories. Oh, and man. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I kind of want to, I think I told it on one of the old TMPs and it had to do with, I think I was talking to Organization 13 in the Discord and we were talking about how you can differentiate between like a mainstream sort of gamer or like a casual gamer and then like somebody who's a little more hardcore or like takes gaming a little more seriously. So check this out. It was like 20, I want to say 2013 or maybe 2014. I went to GameStop because I had a Vita, right? Oh. And so I went to GameStop because I wanted Gravity Rush. I don't know if you know what Gravity Rush is. Yeah, uh, it, I heard it really works. It's a pretty well, uh, pretty good game. There, there we go. Yeah, Word. yeah. <laughs> Words. <laughs> Yeah, it is. A, it is a actually a really fun game, and the first one on Vita was super fun. But anyway, I went to go hunt this game down, and like Walmart didn't have it, and Target didn't have it, and I went to GameStop, which I hate GameStop, but like <laughs> I just had to go there because you know they are the only one that had stocked Vita games. But anyway, I go there, and there's a, a couple there, a guy who's about my age, probably at that back then he was maybe like 22, and his girlfriend, like same same age. And I go to the guy behind the counter. I'm like, hey, man, do you have Gravity Rush for the Vita? And he's like, oh, yeah, I might be able to hunt it down. So he goes to the back. So there's two clerks. The One guy goes to the back, and the other guy is manning the, the desk. So the other guy who's shopping with his girlfriend there, he also has a Vita, and he's looking for Vita games. So I was like, you know, me being a good Samaritan, <laughs> at, right after playing Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3, I was just like, oh, damn, you're like one of the seven people that actually has a Vita? So... 
I told them, I was like, hey, man, you might want to check out Persona 4 Golden. And actually, they had it in stock. And I, I picked it up. And I was like, here, man. And I started telling them everything about Persona 4 Golden. I was like, so it's a JRPG. And it's about a mystery. And, you know, you have these social links. And I'm telling them all the weeb stuff that I know about Persona 4 <laughs> Persona 4 Golden. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. And then the guy, not the guy who's fetching my gravity rush, but the other guy, he's like, oh, there's also another game that's kind of similar to Persona. And he picks up Conception 2. He's like, dude, long story short is that, I don't know, you get waifus and then (laughs) you marry them or whatever. And then they get pregnant and then the the babies are powerful. And he was like, what? I get to marry waifus? And dude, he picked, he took away... Persona 4 Gold and put it back on the shelf, picked up Conception 2 and bought that shit for like $39 (laughs) and left the store. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I spent all that time shilling Persona 4 Golden. And this dude heard waifus and impregnation. And he was like, yes. (laughs) Yo, was he a neckbeard or something? I don't, he had a girlfriend, dude, so he was obviously game, doing something right. Dude, I played a bit of that dem, the that demo of the uh, conception. Man, that game kind of sucks, man. It's like a pretty generic kind of game. It doesn't really have anything like different except for the whole impregnating women and like you know your child and all that. There's really not much to that game, man. It's like a, a dungeon crawler too. So you probably would have had more out of actually playing Persona, man. It really at that point in time really made me realize that there's like a difference between actual people that like play games to play games versus people that are just i'm trying to get these chicks man (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was like oh my god like you should have seen me because the guy took him forever to get my gravity rush yeah so as the guy was buying the game i was just standing there and i was processing you ever seen that meme of like jimmy j tran with like the (laughs) with like all the math when he's yeah (laughs) yeah. that was me in the middle of gamestop i was like wait a second hold on you just bought Conception 2 over Persona 4 Golden because the guy told you you can impregnate anime waifus. <laughs> I was yeah, like, what yeah. is going on? Yeah, that game is not that great, man. From what I, I've played the demo and from what I've heard, it's just a pretty standard game with a little gimmick in there. But yeah, nothing. Yeah. Probably would have been I, better buying Persona. Definitely. Oh, for sure. But, you know, he didn't want any of that. He just, he I just thought high school kids. Man, I'm trying to get laid, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jesus you should have told him you can get a girlfriend in Persona, I guess, but that's not enough. <laughs> yeah, I lost all faith in like my gaming peers at that point when I was standing in GameStop. Right. But also, it was my fault because I was in GameStop. I should have never been inside of GameStop. <laughs> Yo, man, I don't, I don't really like GameStop either. I just go in there for the sales. But nowadays, they're pretty much doing away with Vita. 3DS is pretty much getting smaller and smaller. And now they're just selling Switch, Xbox One, and mm-hmm. PS4. And they'll probably stop selling uh, the PS3 and the Wii U stuff. And then probably, who knows, they might, I don't think they'll stop PS4 yet, but yeah, they're pretty much throwing away all their old stuff. And then it's just a disgusting shelf of Funko Pop dolls that hate those <laughs> yeah. things. But yeah, they're not even like game store anymore. I feel like sometimes mm-hmm. I go in there, man. I feel like I get more game store out of Walmart, man, because Walmart, for some reason over here, every new game that comes out, you get it for $10 less. But so what they did with the new uh, GameStop membership is not as good as it was before. So I can get like a military discount, which is 15%. It went up, which is good. But then mm-hmm. general people can't do that. So like you have this situation where they give you a, a instead of a 10% discount, like they used to do for the power of rewards card, they give you only $5 every, like once a month, you get a five, $5 off any game once a month. So that's all you get as opposed to a discount anymore. And they send you, they don't even send you physical copies of the magazines. That threw me off, man. Like the, uh, the game informers, man, you get them digital now. Like, what the hell is this what the crap? Hell? 
yeah, man, they sent it digital through the email. I was like, what is this? It's like, why are you spamming my email? And then I saw that they actually send it digitally now. They don't send people uh, physical. Maybe you can opt for that, but yeah, dude, they they don't even do that anymore. Oh, they're so t- they they gotten a lot worse, especially with how they're not making as much money and they've closed down a lot of game stops all across the border. So they've just been kind of struggling, man. They're, like most people don't really use GameStop, I think, as opposed to no. before. Yeah, you you can use it online though. Like online, it's not so bad because they're they're selling. They have like a kind of like a retro console thing going where they sell retro games. But GameStop is like, yeah, it's hit or miss. Sometimes you can get something good. Like I've gotten some pretty good games for like twenty bucks. Like uh, we got like Fire Emblem uh, Awakening, I think it was called for the 3DS, and that game at the time was like forty bucks flat. But now you. I got it at a sale. Like at the end of the year, they have some good sales. My girlfriend managed to get like two, like three Switch games, and all she had to buy was like one or something like that. And they gave her two free ones for the same price, stuff like that. But uh, either way, GameStop sucks, and they've gotten a lot worse. And sad to say, man, local game stores aren't so good right now too because they're pretty. They're jumping around with the coronavirus price range, so that's not so good. I've I've never had one of the like the power ups or whatever it's called. Yeah, but. The one thing I didn't like about it is that before Walmart and all those other retailers started doing it, is that trading games was really only exclusive to GameStop. And then, yeah. you know, obviously Amazon jumped on it and then Best Buy and all those other games and all those other retailers rather. But I remember trading games at GameStop and like I bought the game for 30 bucks and I would show up and I was like, well, you can get $10 for a member or you can get 96 cents if you're not a <laughs> member. It's like, what the fuck? Like, how does that make sense? Dude. I, I you just reminded me I got a GameStop store too actually. I was a kid, right? I was uh I think 11, 12 or something. This was around the time when Luigi's Mansion and the GameCube first dropped. So I went to a GameStop there and I had all these Game Boy Color games. I, I kept almost all my games. It would be my mom that would try to give somebody uh someone else in the family my games and stuff like that and I hated it. So my mom took me to GameStop that day and I saw Luigi's Mansion. I was like, "Freak, man, I want it." I had a GameCube, but I didn't have nothing on it. You know <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I was like, damn, I really wanted Luigi's Mansion. So what I did is that I had to sell, man, I sold so many game color, Game Boy Color games. Like, I think I sold like, I sold almost like my whole collection at the time just to get this Luigi's Mansion. And then the dude was like, mm, you looking like you 10 cents short. And I looked at that man. I was like, come on, brother. <laughs> like, I was like, <laughs> I had the, the dog eyes. I was like, please give it to me. And my mom had to put in the 10 cents because they wouldn't hook me up with 10 Jesus. cents, man. 10 cents. I was 12, man. Grimy, <laughs> grimy. Yeah, man. I, I sold so many games because like GameStop had this thing at the time where it'd be like, oh, you buy a new game? And it's like, okay. I, I happened to me another time too. I was like, well, it didn't happen to me, but I was going to buy, I bought a uh, $60 game. Mario's Star Sluggers, whatever, Superstar Sluggers, right? For the, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was the GameCube or the Wii, whatever. It was $60 at the time, right? I go in there and I want it, or it was 50, one of those two. I go in there and I see the price range of trading it in. You get $30 for it, man. They get not only do they, do they save 20, but then when they resell it, they sell it at a $5 less than the actual like a brand new uh retail game. So, it's right. like, damn, that's grimy as hell, man. They're like new car dealerships, like you know the the old adage would like so let's say if you buy a car for 20 grand and then you leave and then you just turn around and come back and you try to trade it in, He'll offer you seventeen five for it. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, as soon as you drive out the lot, your price of your car goes so much down in value. It's mm-hmm. ridiculous. But yeah, that was the that was the GameStop story, and 
I'll never step foot in another GameStop ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody has has to have at least one GameStop story if they have one around. I don't know. Do you know about EB Games? You remember them? Uh, yeah. Well, I knew of them. I just never yeah. been in one. I think I'd say they were at the time when I was uh, when I used to go to the game store. My mom would go to the mall and I'd go to the game store. EB Games would always be a bit better because they had a lot older games uh, they would sell for relatively decent price compared to GameStop. But EB Games doesn't. I think it, I think GameStop pretty much bought it out. But the only place where you can actually find an, uh, like actual EB Games is in England or the UK at least. Oh wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. EB Games is more like PS2 era. I think. Yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. It's yeah, a great, that's a goat era right there, man. The goat era, yep. Right. Actually, I I didn't play a lot of PS2 growing up. I played a lot of Game Boy Advance. Yeah, that was that was my console. Too, man. Yeah. But yeah, the other thing on the docket is I wanted to talk a little bit about chemistry and roles in podcasting and radio because this has been brought up a couple times both in the discord and i was actually listening to another podcast talking about this and i thought it was actually pretty interesting so in radio or podcasting or really any duo let's take fighting games for example like commentary you need you can't have two of the same you kind of need a balance like back and forth and i forget who i was talking to in the discord but we were talking about how our podcast, we have designated roles, even if we don't technically say what they are. And I found it interesting that when I listen to any other podcast, it's the same. So let's take this podcast, for example, I view myself and you can correct me if I'm wrong. But with this podcast, like I view myself as somewhat like the quote unquote straight man, right? So like I talk about the topics and then it's a little more serious on my end and then I'll kick it off to you. And you're more of like the flavor or like the... Yeah, I'm the one that craps on your favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like the the comedy or just like the spice, right? Yeah. So I thought that you need that in, in podcasting and radio because if... Here's the thing. If... We were both funny. I think it would be chaos because nothing would get done. <laughs> yeah. But if we were both serious all the time, the show would be bland and boring. So having one person do one thing and another person do the other, I think it's a good back and forth. And I found that that's a, a way, like some of my favorite commentary teams and fighting yeah. games are that way. Some of my favorite podcasts are that way. And also some of the podcasts that I don't like, I found that they have too many of one kind of podcaster or presenter what do you think about that do you think that's normally how it should be or are you okay with having two of the same when you're listening to any sort of content i'd say it depends on the personality so like i guess a good example of two of the same is you probably know them lee chung and yipes oh dude, mm -hmm. they're they're clowns man right, yeah. <laughs> yeah but they like like it's weird because yipes is so much of a clown but he's actually like the more informative one and then lee chung is like the super clown so it's yeah, like he is you know what i'm saying so it's like you have two of the same, but they still split somewhat of a role in a way that their personalities aren't completely identical. I will say I hate two of like the informative kind. Oh man, that's so boring, man. Like, yeah, yo, is. man, get your frame data ass looking. That's negative <laughs> plus on block somewhere else, man. You are boring, and I don't want to hear that. And I've, I've, I've heard it. I've seen it in so many commentary matches. I'm like, yo, man, this is just boring. Like, like mm -hmm. this is boring. I don't know. Like, I like frame data, but I'm not going to talk about it. You know, <laughs> keep that yeah. to yourself. I see this dude blowing his head off and punching him in the groin. I want to see some serious. I want to hear people talk about that type of stuff, man. But yeah, man, I, I'd say that two of the same kind can work, but there still is a distinct personality between those two. So two different people really does work. I think how we do it works pretty well. I agree. I think it's important to find a balance. You need, for example, 
not to put Rip on blast, but like when talking about Tekken, I like Rip when he is the analytical type. And then if you put like Steve or Eris next to him, then it balances out because Steve can be hype and then Rip can talk about the match. But when, ah, Rip, yeah, when Rip gets hype, it's okay. I'm not saying it's bad, but I don't think he fits that role because if if he tries to match Steve's level, then you're you're losing something because Steve really... You know, again, no offense to Steve, but Steve fits the funny role. He fits yeah, like the hype yeah, he, role. He is definitely that guy, the charis charisma guy. So I, I don't want Steve to talk about like analysis mid-match. I want him to talk about the big moments and, and capture like the hype of, of the match. So I think it's okay to not always... I think, you know, you said Yipes. Yipes is actually pretty good at balancing. Yeah, you know, he's really good, man. But like, let's be honest, man. We just want to hear him make jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I hear that dude make jokes, but he's great at being able to be the calm one. Yeah, Hell Pockets as well. Hell Pockets can yeah. balance as well. But I think it's okay within FGC commentary teams to understand your role. And if you can't do both, just excel at what you can do. I will say, last thing on that note, that video you sent me when they didn't have any audio of Yipes and Lee Chung and the oh, man, sound I effects. <laughs> You gotta post that one in the. In the I will. The I'll post. The yeah, video. I'll post that video and the. Actually, no, I'll put it in the. I'll pin it. I'll pin the comment. Of I'll link that video of Light Yipes and Lee Chung doing commentary when Street Fighter Five has no audio, so they're doing the sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> they're like yoga flame. <laughs> <laughs> Funny as hell, dude. It's one of the funniest things. Ever. So yeah, th those guys are godlike. Shout outs to Yipes and Lee Chung. That East Coast crew, man. I, I think they're so dope. They're really yeah, dope. man. I yeah, I really do like them. Like it, it's weird, man, because like so like I saw I noticed that like with Street Fighter Five, there's a lot of people that didn't really like them on commentary, man. And really? I swear, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's people that are well in the comment section. It could be the the loud minority, but Zoomers. The, yeah, the, yeah, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so I saw them and they were whining. And then, like, I think there was a combo break or a tournament where Lee Chung wasn't fully Lee Chung. So I was like, what's going on here? Did they tell mm. him to calm it down? I don't know if you ever seen the tournament with Majin Obama where he was wilding out. It was a Capcom Cup and he was just, I think he was like drunk or something, but he was nuts and it was hilarious. I don't know if you saw that one. Uh, it was for a third strike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The co-op cup? That one, yeah. And then mm -hmm. they, like, they silenced him. And I was like, why? Yeah, did, they did. Was so, <laughs> he was so belligerent, though. Like, I, a part of me is like, okay, I kind of get it. But it was pretty funny. And he was bringing that, like, energy into the thing, man. Because then because then they did it without him. And I, and you could just hear him screaming in the background. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> it was so funny. But people didn't like that. He was like, what is this? And then I'm like, and then there's a part of me where, like, I feel like, the further we get in some of these games as time goes on, some people won't like those like nutty dudes and they want it more like controlled. And I think a part of it is just because they didn't grow up with those kind of people around. Those are the type of people that would go in the arcades, man. Those are the people that were having a good ass time. Those are the people that worked a, a boring ass or jarring job and they mm -hmm. come home and they want to go to the arcade and they just want to wild out, man. And I like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the soul we were talking about, what was it, two weeks ago? Like, that's the soul we were talking about, where, like, they bring that atmosphere from the arcade to the grand stage. So, mm -hmm. Obama, I mean, Obama has a couple of occasions where, I don't know if you remember when they did the, they had a tournament in Taiwan, and he, oh, okay. kept, he, he kept saying Taiwan instead of Chinese Taipei, because, you know, the China overlords are always watching, <laughs> so... <laughs> He he kept saying that and oh and like Juna had to like hey okay okay let's not <laughs> stop right, he got, he's a straight man he's got to straighten him out exactly so 
I mean, and he's done that a couple times where he's gone, he's gone a little nuts. But yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I love that. I think that's one of the things that makes Obama Obama, where he's not, he's not about that fake shit. Where uh-huh. you know he has to button it up every now and again. But like at Combo Breaker, when he went crazy with what's his name, the guy who made the Parsa, no, uh, who's the guy who made that game, the uh, the crazy Mugen game. Whatever, ah, it's that right, famous sure. clip. That famous clip of of him saying, this is not esports, this is FGC. It's, oh, it's yeah, it. man. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I watched a Netflix special called Explain, and they had a whole esports section. And man, like, I like that stuff, but at the same time, it doesn't feel right. Like, it doesn't feel like... When I got into these fighting games, I liked the fact that people were being themselves. People were being mm-hmm. people. This analytical stuff is good, but like, let's be honest, man. Nobody comes up to you and starts talking frame data unless they're a real nerd with that stuff or they start talking to you about this and unless they purposefully doing analysis. But it's weird, though, because it's also like hearing computers talk. Like if you're hearing someone talk like a robot, it's so on. It's not authentic. So hearing that experience. Yeah, man, it's boring. It's like. It's like, you, okay, so like football, like, you know, you hear football, them dudes are like, you see him and tackle him. It's like, God, yeah. like, you know, they get up in there, man, or, or like any kind of boxing commentary. It's good when you have the two halves, like the analysis and the, the hype or the comedy or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like for it to just be, I, I don't know, man, I, I just can't do, especially like analysis, too much of that can just, just be so tarring and it doesn't feel right. Yeah, man. Like you yeah. think that when people are playing these fighting games, how many people... Personally, I know there are people that play like that, but like, how many people do you think that are just playing like super technical and making sure everything is precise? And it's like, dude, you you don't you can't. These are humans, man. Okay, like we, yeah. you have to account for all the the possibilities of us messing up. Like it's gonna happen, dude. You're gonna drop that game winning combo. It's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you need you definitely need both. But I think like the FGC, it happened there for a second in, in 2018, 20 yeah, 2017, 2018 where you saw them try to almost start phasing out the flavor and yeah. get it, Oof. you know, get a suit and tie on and talk about things with more of a professional perspective. But you saw that, man, that didn't work. It just that, didn't work. Yeah, like, it man. wasn't who we were. And all those sponsors like Echo Fox and all those other ones, you know, they phased out. Like they're not a compatible thing for the FGC mm-hmm. until somebody who's, to be honest, it has to be homegrown. It has to be an FGC sponsor. That's why I think like Equinox or... Maybe Uyu, right, that are like have grown with the FGC. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that we probably need. But the ones that are, they come from other esports and come like, okay, you ever watch basketball? Yeah. Like, yeah. like NBA. So Mark Jackson, you know, he used to be the coach, both, or he used to play for the New York Knicks and he used to coach the Golden State Warriors, but he's great on commentary. And mm-hmm. he, he adds flavor. So you have one guy who's saying, okay, they're playing a 2-3 zone and they have to do this and blah, blah, blah. But Mark Jackson would like, his one of his famous quotes, which I love, he used to say this for Kobe all the time. He was like, he, st- he stepped on a dime, gave you nine cents change because <laughs> he, he, he made the shot. It's like, it's such an iconic phrase. And he used to say that for Dirk Nowitzki and all these great players and not having that. Like, I don't remember what they said about like the half court offense yeah, or the baseline defense. Right. I remember Mark Jackson saying he stepped on a diamond to give him nine cents change. <laughs> what a godlike phrase. And, and you know FGC exactly what it means. Yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. So you definitely need that. And uh, I like that the FGC, I don't know if we did it on purpose or I don't know if those companies said that like, hey, these guys aren't budging. But I like that we kind of fought for FGC still being <laughs> a bunch of degenerates. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, because honestly, when I... I just like that, man. I like when people are more savage on the mic and having more fun because I know that when they get rarely, I feel you're going to find someone that can make the analytical stuff 
his passion. You know what I'm saying? Like when mm -hmm. you find someone that really isn't in it, you could feel it. You can really feel the passion. But when it's not, it's like, I'm not feeling what you're saying, man. And if and you got to get people on the fields, man. Emotions is what we work on, man. No matter how analytical we are, we're so emotional as creatures, man. So we, we need that emotion, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we need, I think we need both. Like yeah, MMA is a big one, right? Like, mm -hmm. so the UFC is known for having commentary booths and yeah. Joe Rogan is, is a big personality with a commentary. But if you only had Joe Rogan, all you would hear is, oh, oh, oh. Like, yeah, that's no, the only thing you would hear. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think he'd even say he would probably just do all that if that was all he would. Yeah. So you need those other guys to talk about, okay, he's grabbing a single leg because it's a buildup, right? If you have a guy who's analyzing the fight and he's like, okay, he's got wrist control. He's grabbing a single leg. He's going for the rear naked choke. And then once he gets it and then Joe Rogan explodes and says, oh, it, it's the culmination of that means mm -hmm. so much more versus if you only had a guy saying and he got the choke and the match is over i mean that's yeah. not nearly as exciting but if it's only joe rogan screaming then it takes away from like the the power of uh, or the emphasis of of the finish so yeah man you need a build up you need a balance and i think fighting game commentary teams and partners you need to find that but also when i was talking to hell pockets back uh, on tmp he said that it was kind of hard because a lot of times you get you know it's not always set commentary mm -hmm. groups you kind of they put you with you know sometimes people you've never worked with before and you kind of have to make it work on the fly and you have to figure out okay you are they analytical them, yeah are they pipe man so you kind of have to either raise your level or maybe take your level down so it's tough but once you find that pairing you kind of really want to not let them go and make them work together a lot because if it works it works yeah and i think that it's 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 good when we get these roles because I, it also helps the audience know who they're looking at. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It helps people a lot. Like when you see Yipes and Lee Chung, you're like, all right, I know what I'm getting into. It's going to be funny. Or when you see Tasty Steve and, and Sajam, which a lot of people like nowadays. And I think mm -hmm. they got in just re like, well, not recently, but like a couple of years, they've been really much more popular. I think with the uh, probably street fighter five just being a thing now um they have it like they have that perfect chemistry and then you realize they're really good friends so it's like there you go that's why they have that right mm -hmm. very important of course we have our hollywood question of the week and this one it's uh, a little more open to interpretation so i'll let you answer this any way you want i gave our discord an option as well i'm going to read their answers later but the hollywood question of the week and i suggest anybody that's listening to this technically on youtube because you can comment on there if you're listening on audio platforms you kind of have to stay free but the Hollywood question of the week is, what is the worst fighting game you've ever played? But as a bonus, if you can't think of a fighting game or you just want to say any game, you can say any general game you've ever played. Oh, I, I have one. <laughs> a fighting game or a non-fighting game? Oh, a fighting game. I don't know if you ever played this game before, but it was this thing called... Uh... Actually, I don't remember the name. <laughs> it was uh, something with like biblical characters fighting each other. So you could use like Jesus and Moses. Fight, fight of the gods or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that game is horrible, man. <laughs> it's one of the worst, but man, it was fun as hell, man. It was, it was fun in this. This game is bad fun. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's probably one of the worst fighting games I could play. I said I played, but like it, it has some decent features, but man, it, it's not that good, man. It's fun as hell, though. I played, uh, who did I play, man? I think I played Buddha. Yeah, I think it was Buddha or something like that, man. It's funny as hell. <laughs> that that game has to be just funny just for the memes like see my Buddha. Yeah, man. <laughs> try to get in on my buddha <laughs> yeah man <laughs> is that your jesus ha, i got a cross watch out <laughs> no, man. yeah man I'm gonna zone with my abraham <laughs> yeah exactly man <laughs> 
That's funny there, dude. Actually, uh, funny enough, that game is on my list for the, I think, eighth console generation review list. And I actually am going to have to play that game eventually to review oh, it. Oh, man. Dude, have fun with it. It's fun, though, but it's not. There's like, I think Buddha has an infinite. Yeah, like one of those couple characters have some infinites here in there, which I'm not surprised. <laughs> and it's not hard either. We're going to talk about a bad game later on with the game sales. Oh, and boy. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad, but we'll get to that. I'll say this game isn't fun. It's not even cute. The worst fighting game that I've ever played is a game called Girl Fight. I don't know if you've Girl ever heard Fight. of it. Oh, man. Let me see. Girl Fight came out to Xbox 360. I think it was it was digital only. And it's, first of all, I mean, you know, I always preach like, you know, keep it classy or whatever. So uh, the it was so un forgiving or not unforgiving but like unapologetic with the way it was like portraying women <laughs> in fighting games like it uh. wasn't even it was terrible like it was really really kind of just subjugating women every character was the same animations were terrible the gameplay design was just horrendous and i remember getting it on xbox live and i was like ugh, this is the worst thing i've ever touched in my life man this and game looks horrible man <laughs> dude, it's terrible it's absolutely terrible like and i i think i played it for like a couple hours and i was like this is just atrocious it's a terrible game <laughs> so whenever people say it's like man street fighter 5 sucks or like this sucks it's like trust me <laughs> you don't know what oh, bad you ain't played worse <laughs> man. you ain't played worse but we got we got some hollywood answers so i i put this out to our discord and we got some answers so jam doa5 because shimbori those who know will know those who don't sigh <laughs> <laughs> oh man Dario Spina said, Blade Strangers, it was so boring, it was full of auto combos, and that was it. Lol. I've never played Blade Strangers, so I, don't, I can't comment on that. I had a, I have a buddy that likes it, uh, but yeah, it's got a lot of issues. <laughs> From what I've seen, yeah, it's, it's got some issues, man. Zio said, worst fighting game I've ever played, Dragon Ball GT Final Bout, easy. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> He said, but it has to be said that I have never played Persona 4 Arena or Persona 4 Arena Ultimate. Bro, he got to let us know that. <laughs> you bastard. Yeah, don't worry. P4U is godlike. You need to send it. We need to send him. A... Well, there's a way you could play it on a computer. Uh, I forgot what, like, you get, like, the arcade version or something like that. Yeah, the, like, the pirated version. I'm not doing yeah. that, though. Yeah, man, it's too much. I tried working my stick on it, and it wasn't really working, so I just yeah. kind of threw that away. But, yeah. You need, you like, a two key. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't like using no. that crap. Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Organization 13 said, worst fighting game, the original Street Fighter. Oh, worst great. game, Metroid, Other M, and Stargazer. Oh, man. I want to get Metroid, Other M. I heard it's super bad. It's like perfect <laughs> streaming, man. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That game is like, oh, man. It's not Because like, it's like this weird, disgusting version of Metroid, man. It's It's not good. What I did like about Other M, though, is that it does... It went back to the kind of like the 2D and it does like I think like a third person 3D type of view sometimes. I could be wrong about that, but it went to the 2D view of like the older Metroid games. But oh man, because like the new Metroid, well, Metroid Prime series is like a first person shooter. But then mm -hmm. the old Metroid is how I like Metroid where it's like 2D. But yeah, Other M is like a piece of crap though. I want to get it, man. I think it's like 10 bucks. So I could stream it. Super bad, super bad game. <laughs> what generation is, or I guess what system is it on? Uh, we. Oh, it's on Wii? Okay. Yeah, so you can imagine how the controls probably are, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. The only thing I liked about the Wii Mote is that it was fun playing baseball with it. Like oh, Wii, yeah. Like Wii Sports? Wii Sports, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically the game that came with the Wii that everyone's like, yeah, yeah. man, I like playing me some bowling. <laughs> like, bro, oh, that's fun. Yo, Wii Sports was godlike. I'll be honest. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's it, was so good. Only, it was the only good thing in, I swear, it's the, one of the best uses of the Wii Mote, man. 
Mm-hmm. My dad, dude, my dad was addicted to Wii Golf. He yeah. <laughs> Every time I would come upstairs, and this is like years ago when I be- I used to live in my parents' basement. I would come upstairs and he's like, hey, want to play some golf? Yeah. <laughs> this time. dude would dress up for the occasion. So <laughs> yeah. All right. And last answer comes from Paygun. He said, an arcade boxing game called Final Blow. I found an infinite in 10 minutes and it went downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. All right. Now we can get to some fighting game news. Hey, I didn't, this is like, I think the first week I didn't forget Hollywood question of the week. (laughs) (laughs) So this is, uh, again, like I said at the top of the show, we're going to recap. We talked a little bit about Guilty Gear Strive as as it was happening, but this is the complete information. So now we can get everybody caught up. If you have, if you don't know already, this should get you caught up with Guilty Gear Strive. So website Eurogamer, which I like a lot. They do good work over there at Eurogamer, reports that Following the Arc System Works live stream on October 10th, 2020, we now know the release date of the upcoming fighting game Guilty Gear Strive, among other details. The game is set to release on April 9th, 2021 on PS5, PS4, and PC. By the way, that detail is really important because it's day and day for all of those. So PC players don't have to wait a month. Oh, that's good. Yeah. However, those who pre-order the game will be able to play it three whole days early. The game's standard edition will go for $59.99, while the ultimate edition will go for $99. The ultimate edition version of the game, which is currently only confirmed for PS5, will come bundled with a heavy metal game case, Season Pass 1, five additional playable characters, two additional battle stages, bonus story scenario, extra character color pack, digital soundtrack and artworks, ultimate edition, special colors, and early bonus special colors for Soul and Kai. Damn, they are locking all that under $30, $40, $40? That sounds like half the game, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that was a bit of a head scratcher when I read that. I was like, I don't know if that should all... Well, I guess we'll see. I don't know if they'll uh, uh, We're going to have to see how much Season Pass 1 is on its own, and then we'll see how this price holds up but we'll see it has also been confirmed that the multiplayer battle mode will be exclusive to ps5 version of the game now when i initially read this it said multiplayer battle mode and, and when i read that i'm like wait they mean online <laughs> like <laughs> online is only for playstation 5 so no i guess this is like that tag mode that they were talking about they really uh. didn't offer any details so I, was, I thought it was a little weird they just said multiplayer battle mode is exclusive to the playstation 5 Arc System Works revealed two upcoming characters for the game, one which received a gameplay trailer and Giovanna, and the other teased at the end of said trailer being Anji Mito. So we talked about that, or rather, we talked about both of those characters last week. Guilty Gear Strive is planning on launching with a roster of 15 characters, with the last character set to be revealed on New Year's Day 2021. So that's when we'll get all of the final details. Now, I have the launch roster here, and Pringle, let me know what you think of this launch roster, because we didn't talk a little, we didn't talk about it last week. We just talked about Giovanna and Angie. When I'm, when I put this roster together, I was like, okay, it kind of makes sense, but I have some issues with it. So, (laughs) so, Soul Bad Guy, Kai Kisuke, Mei, Axel Rose, Chip Zenith, Potemkin, Faust, Milia Rage, Zato One, Ramblethal Valentine, Leo Whitefang, Nagoriyuki, Giovanna, Anji Mito, and TBD. Yo, is it Axel Low or Axel Rose? I don't know. Axel Rose is the lead singer for uh, <laughs> Guns N' Roses. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, so those are the 14 characters announced with one more coming. 
And when I was reading this list, I was just like, initially, I don't know why in my head I thought it was like they're missing characters that I would like to see. But then when I was reading it, they actually have a lot of legacy characters. Mm -hmm. But there are a couple there that don't make sense to me. But for me, it's it's Ramlethal and, and, and Leo. I just yeah. don't understand those specific two picks. I think if you're going to go with legacy characters, and by legacy characters, I mean the characters that exist in any other game except for Strive. I don't think you put those two in. Just my humble opinion, but I don't think those two deserve a slot compared to Johnny, Eno. What do you think? Man, I think, I, I will say out of Ram, I, I don't like Alpha at all, but I would say she probably deserves Ram's spot more because out of popularity-wise, people were playing Alpha a lot more than Ram. Oh, like, yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody played Ram. Oh, then you see her. That's like the, the goddamn tiger in the wild, man. You don't see it till it gets you, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, I will say Leo was pretty play he was played a lot but i feel like sin should have probably been in there instead the other kisuke mm -hmm. right there johnny definitely should have been in the game slayer as well slayer's been around since accent core yeah well johnny yeah man i don't know man like i, I think that it's fine and but okay so like someone mentioned and i forgot who it was but i think it was a video that i watched or somebody mentioned it but I feel like what they're doing is that, and I didn't even think about this, but they're locking the older legacy characters, the legacy characters that we really want, and they're locking it under DLC. So like mm -hmm. Johnny's gonna be DLC. Dizzy's from Action Core too, so she's she should be she should, but she was DLC in the last game, which is weird too. So like I I think at this point maybe she deserved an actual spot. DLC is kind of like in the air. That means that we may or may not get the character. Okay, so what you just said actually makes a lot of sense because think about this. They can make more money if mm -hmm. they if they put behind the paywall, if they put Johnny, Eno, Dizzy, Alfelt, and Slayer, right? And then you also have one again, a fan favorite in Biken. Oh yeah, Biken, yeah. I'm gonna make she's not there. Yeah. I mean again, we'll see. Maybe one of those characters I just named is the final character. I highly doubt it'll be another new character because you already have Giovanna and Nagoriyuki. Am I missing anybody? No, that's it. Just two. I don't know. Yeah, I don't really like that. And I do know that Johnny wasn't, I don't believe he was on the launch roster of Exerd. Neither was Biken or Dizzy. And they're kind of doing the same thing. But I just, I don't really like that approach as a consumer. I understand why they're doing it as a company, just to make more money because those characters mm -hmm. are very popular. And people will, you know, they'll put out the money to play Johnny, to play Dizzy, to play these characters. I understand why they're doing it. It's just... I would like one of those iconic characters that's not named Soul Bad Guy to be <laughs> at launch. Right. And like I said last week, I think it should be Johnny. If it's not Johnny, maybe it's Slayer. But I mean, Dizzy's also important. Do you understand? Like, there's so many like yeah, characters man. that are so important to the series that the fact that they're not there at launch is kind of a slap to the face of the fans, I find. So we'll see. We'll see what that last character is. I'm, I'm hoping that it's either like Johnny Slayer, maybe Dizzy. I don't think it's Eno, but yeah, we'll we'll find out. Yeah, man, I, I don't I don't like it either. I it's weird because at least they got Potemkin. You know, they, they gotta have your boy Potemkin, but yeah. like yeah, it's weird. I'm amazed May got in, to be honest, man. Like I was like, she seems like a staple, oddly enough, but personally, I mean, maybe because she's a very different kind of character, but yeah, she hits an archetype. Like if you look at all these yeah. characters, you have, you know, Chip hits the glass cannon, Potemkin hits the the grappler, Faust hits the item, Melia Rage hits the speed, Zato hits the puppet. Like th mm -hmm. they're doing all these archetypes, but you know, Leo hits the brain dead. Nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he really do, man. He really he be did, hitting man. the gorilla type. <laughs> you can't tell me you don't play Leo just to press buttons, man. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, and there's Jam. I forget. 
can't forget about Jam. Yeah, Jam, <laughs> of course. Yeah, dude. Like Jam has been around for a while. She's been around since Accent Core. So she mm-hmm. and she's the rushdown character. When you look at the roster, I mean, who would you consider a rushdown in this case? You know, uh, maybe Milia. Yeah, Milia. Nah, she's not. She's not really rushdown, man. I, I like. She's kind of, but not really. I don't know. Maybe they might make her more rushdown heavy, but she usually. I mean, Giovanna. Just- could be rushed down. Yeah, there. that's true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Of course, they replaced it. That's the new jam, Giovanna. Yeah, that's the new jam. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably going to have cards and everything and charges or something like that. <laughs> She's that's going to be a slap in the face, though, man. I know. Well, Jam, not the character Jam, but Jam in our Discord, he's very he's very salty about Giovanna. Yeah, because man. <laughs> I, I find that he feels the same way about Giovanna, that she's kind of taking Jam's spot. And uh, he's a he's he's made it very, very known that he doesn't like her wide pants for some reason. Yeah, though he don't <laughs> like the MC Hammer pants, the balloon <laughs> pants. The last detail that we found out was uh, Silicon Era. They reported that according to the latest issue of Famitsu Magazine, Guilty Gear Shrive is doing away with its legacy ranking system. Quote, Arc System Works is abolishing ranked matches where players had to keep winning to raise their ranks. In place of that, players can enter a quote-unquote floor that is suitable for their aptitude levels and have matches without having to worry about points. End quote. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Just gross. Disgusting. Get off my floor. No, I'm good. <laughs> uh, Get the dude, noobs yeah. off your floor. Uh, I, I was going to say, dude, nobody cares about Arc System ranks. I don't know what it is, but like whenever I play those games, man, people don't really care about ranks. Outside of DBFZ, man, everybody just drops ranks and they just start playing lobbies because that's what people would rather play. You get more consistent matches in the end of the mm. day. Yeah, it seems like they also have seen that trend and they just decided to not do a rank match at all. They were just like, well, just put them in matchmaking lobbies with similar ranks. Yeah, man. And at the same time, I can't believe they still going with that lobby, man. I, <laughs> I I saw it and I was like, oh, man, are you kidding me, man? Like that lobby seems so unintuitive. You have to like sift through all of this stuff just to go through it. It's why, dude, the cabinet was gangster, man. That was <laughs> yeah. cold, bro. Like, that felt so right. Like It's a wh- staple, too. Like, yeah, that's man. been in Persona. That's been in Blaze Blue. That's been in... Oh, dude, I love it in Persona, man. I actually really love it. Because in Persona, <laughs> depending on the room you go, it changes the song every time. Compared yep. to, like, uh, I think Guilty Gear changes the song. But in Persona, you get different music. And then in Persona's lobbies, they had, like, a lot of different floors or rooms. And you mm-hmm. could go to a different lobby and it would look completely different from all the other lobbies, like color-wise or something like this, which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling you guys, man, Persona is godlike. You guys just don't recognize Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. If we just had good netcode, then it's really godlike. It reached the next level. But yeah, dude, I don't... I think that's weird, man, personally. I think, I, I think in the beginning, they will definitely be getting into the rank system. And then that will probably fizzle out and people are just going to be like, this sucks. Let's just play in lobbies. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, too. And I think they're just like, eh, whatever. We already know that nobody plays ranked after three months. We'll just get rid of it and just put our resources somewhere else. Oh, and here's another thing, too, which is I don't know if they will do that. Are they doing that with this this lobby system? But is there a training room in the lobby? Remember, in Guilty Gear um, Rev, you could go and there's a there's an arcade just for training. So you could just go in there, practice some combo here and then go, go right back into playing somebody else. Yeah, we won't know until... Obviously, we get our hands on maybe the beta. Yeah, man, I'm not like I don't I, I don't I do not like that lobby. It looks so ungodly. Like yeah, it the like pixel they, lobby is not a good look. 
Yeah, it looks like they just went and outsourced that whole like system in some like really like cheap warehouse of people that do cheap stuff. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, that's exactly how cheap. Yeah, that's the yeah. Word. It looks cheap as hell, man. Like I've seen, man. There's some PS2 games that look better than that lobby right now, man. It's this is PS5, man. Goddamn, <laughs> your character. You should just play the character at this point. You should be playing the character and you just run up to people and challenge them. That's how it should be. <laughs> I mean, that's the crazy part is that previous games within Arc System Works have done that. I understand what they were trying to do with it. Like they were trying to make it somewhat endearing and like just like a pixelated art style. But it it's not endearing. It it looks cheap and like mm -hmm. and just not very well done. Yeah. And right. I don't know. Yeah, it just doesn't look very well thought out. So the only other problem that, or a little complaint that I had, and I don't know if you've noticed that, and hopefully they can do something about that. But did you notice when they were selecting characters that the cell shading looked kind of weird on the characters? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. But go on. So it looked like the the outer border of the characters, because somebody was uh, going to pick May, and her like the border of the character, the cell shading was very dark, and it didn't. I don't. It looked kind of weird, like kind of like funky. Oh wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry, but wait, the character selection screen, they, they changed it too, right? It reminds mm -hmm. me more of DBFZ where it's just all in the bottom. Is that how it goes? It's yeah, like that, I think right? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't like that. They, it, okay, so in Rev, it's like this, just this, I, I will say in Rev, it takes a little bit longer since you have to move it. Uh, and it's like uh, kind of like analog. So it's like uh, it has eight way movement and you yeah. have to move your thing to the character. It's like you're in a beehive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you have to move it that way. But it's cool because when you like just, Hover it, the new character, the character just pop on the left. I don't know if the... Mm -hmm. Plus R is like that too. Yeah, yeah, it is, which fits. I w I'm starting to think, do you think they took shortcuts with certain presentation aspects of the game to make the game itself look so good and like transition so well, but they uh, didn't really account for things like menus and lobbies and cell shading? <laughs> I, I honestly, maybe, yeah, man. I, I think so, probably, because a lot of those things, like I, I, the game looks fine like okay so i will say i saw the gameplay and i feel like they made it faster like i think it's faster honestly mm -hmm. the game reminds me a bit more of rev and i'm gonna mention something else which is kind of like out a little bit out there but so but then there's still like it does feel like the game still took some um liberties in terms of like the shortcuts like the character selection screen the lobby systems i mean i still have problems with the ui man i think i mentioned that like <laughs> I hate the UI. Yeah. The UI feels so okay. So this is one thing, and I and I know maybe someone could argue, but let, let's be real. The UI has a lack of depth. It doesn't have a good shadowing or a 3D feel to it. The the bar, the the health bar looks very like like someone just grabbed it on MS Paint, man. That's what it feels like with a lot of the things in the game outside of the gameplay. It looked like they just grabbed MS Paint and they just stuff it in there. Like I say this in the sense of. I'm referring and comparing it to uh, Rev2. So in Rev2, the health bars, like they have, almost feels like the health bar is like kind of alive. So like mm -hmm. there's things inside the yellow bar that's like floating and stuff like this. And it just, all of it looks kind of alive. The, the names on the character portraits, the names are below the, the head of the character. So like the head is right there and the name is below, which makes a perfect, it's perfect sense. It's common sense in a way. So that you're when you first see the character, like what character he's playing, you see the character's face and you see the name. What they did is that they put the name in the health bar. So it's like it, and it's white, but then it turns I think it turns black when you pass the, the health passes the uh, the name. But that's a mm -hmm. problem because you, you, you can't easily see that. You know what I'm saying? 
And that's that's part of a UI or HUD or whatever the hell, because we got into that. <laughs> that's part of what you want in a UI. You want things to be easily distinguishable. Now they made the risk more seeable, which is good. But I have that gripe with that. And I think the burst is, I don't like how the burst is because now it's just a standard burst bar. Before, what they did is that the burst, and they even did that in Action Core. The burst bar was the word, which is a cool way to hide uh, a burst bar. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. these little things that they did that really shows personality into it, and as well as the numbers, which I don't like the numbers. The number is just in this, like, it looks very flat, like the uh, the background. And I don't get the black uh, cogs, I guess, or the, that's what it's trying to show. The heart seems very off-putting. I don't know what Guilty Gear Strive is supposed to be, and that's what I wanted to get into. I know it's supposed to be different, but what is the difference of it? I don't know where yeah, it's... the identity of, yeah, you don't know where it's going. Kind of like yeah. how we were talking about last week with, well, I don't know if it was last week, the week before, about uh, Grand Blue Fantasy, right? Where are you going? <laughs> yeah. But see, I would say Grand Blue has, a outside, maybe the gameplay is where the personality changes, but it has this kind of like, uh, well, it's based off this like, kind of like this uh, medieval type of uh, maybe sky punk type game or something like mm. that, right? So it has like a personality, but when I see Guilty Gear, I don't know what your personality, it's not rock anymore, right? It, it can be because it doesn't have that grit that rock has, right? But then what's weird too is that I see the gameplay and the gameplay is like, it's like an accent. It's just like Rev 2. So I don't know what it's trying to be. Yeah, it's like so minimalistic it forgot stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like the lobby, like how you mentioned about the, do you think that, I think they do because it's weird. All this stuff that they're like, the UI is a presentation of the game when you first see it, see it because you don't see anything else outside of the UI because when you see people playing the game, they're playing the game. So the UI is very important. People say it's not important. When you're playing the game, it's not really when you think about it, but it is important for people that don't know the game. Because it mm -hmm. shows what's distinguishing about the game, the UI, the the bars, all that stuff. Look at where they put the uh, the bottom, the tension bars. So they put them in the middle now, which I think is worse because now you you have it so that when you look at it from a distance, you're just looking in the middle, but you want it to be easier for the player. So like I'll use Skullgirls as an example. In Skullgirls, everything in the game is on the top right and the top left. You don't, your eyes don't need to see anywhere else. When I first started playing fighting games, I had such a big trouble with looking for stuff like that. Because in Skullgirls, the bar is on the left, and it has a number. So you know how much bars of meter you have, which is very mm -hmm. easy. Some games don't have that number. So you have to go based off where the bar breaks. Like, the bar has, like, brackets or something, and you got to kind of go off on that. In Guilty Gear, that's what it does. It uses brackets. It doesn't use numbers. So you know mm -hmm. you're past 25 if there's, like, there's four brackets in there. So you go by four. So then you have the situation where... When you're looking at the game, it's it's harder to distinguish it like in a in a game like Guilty Gear, where as a new player, I think it makes it harder because now you have to move your eyes up and down, but to the middle. Compared to in Rev 2, where Rev 2, it's it's everything is in the corner. So that it makes it very easy for you to distinguish what you're looking at, especially as a new player. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So I had a, like a lot of conversations with a buddy about UI stuff, and he would say like how Skullgirls is like perfect because it puts everything right there for the player. It makes it so, this is why in a way, Skullgirls streamlines so many little things that a lot of guys aren't doing. The way they put the, the tension bar now kind of in the mid screen. And now what they did with the number com comboing system is that they made it trans like transparent so that you could see your combos happening 
but they're happening. And what what is weird too, in, in what Give the Gear uh, Strive does, is that the bigger the combo, the bigger the number. Which, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I I don't like it either. And it, and I know why they did it because it, it has that feeling of yeah, I'm hitting a bigger number, bigger combo. But what happens is, is that when the combo is done, the combo flaps at your face. Like you can feel the goddamn twelve <laughs> hitting you, and that's a problem because it you'll get used to it though. That's the thing. Like I heard a lot of people when they play the beta, they ended up just saying, oh, you get used to it. You get used to it. That's not really good though because it's like getting used to something that isn't good. Like it's getting used to crap. You just get used to crap and. You don't care no more, but it's a problem when you're trying to distinguish everything. It's distracting. It's really distracting. Yeah, of course you'll get you as fighting game players, you always get used to that stuff because that's what you just do, right? But when you think about it as like design perspective, it's not well designed because it makes everything harder to notice. Same thing with the the gauges should be in the right corners because then it's easier to distinguish it as opposed to in the bottom middle. Then you have things like you have more distracting visual things that happen in the game, like wall breaks and then you have odd uh slowdowns in certain moves which i mean it's fine but like when it, it's just more and more visual things you have to pay attention to and it turns into like a surplus because man when you think about it we're not very good at like overload like a lot of visual overload no. so it makes things so much harder a lot of the old fighting games they'd have that the kind of the same thing with uh uis and that perspective where it was just two bars at the top right and if it had meter they would probably put it somewhere on the bottom right or in the top right one thing i noticed with arc system games is that they usually put like the meter in the bottom right or they'll do like something like uh like look at blaze blue where they'll have like the normal health bar and then they'll have like uh the um what's the word they'll have the uh guard bar right at the bottom it makes it easier for the person to notice that yeah i get we'll, we'll have to find out once we get this game yeah, in our hands I, I will say as far I, I mean the game is beautiful when it's in motion yeah right? it is dude but yeah, like you said, some of the UI changes and the presentation changes that they made, the old adage goes, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And mm -hmm. it, it kind of seems like they went over the top. So fighting games are, oh, a lot of them are fast and they're chaotic, but it's always yeah. controlled chaos. Like it, mm -hmm. you can tell what's going on, even though there's like a lot of things happening on screen at once. Mm -hmm. But with this, I think even for me, who's used to watching fighting games at a high pace, I'm going to have to get used to this because there's so many elements on screen happening. And like you said, there's certain slow-mos that show up. You have the wall break. And then if somebody does a 10 hit combo, it's just like, right Oh my there. God, dude, it's in your face. So we're going to have to figure it out. But uh, just a question. Are, are you planning on getting this at launch or are you just going to oh, wait? Man, no, nah, not at all, dude. I'm not. I'm probably not, man. Oh, but, but before I mention that, though, I do want to say another example. Persona 4 did it pretty well where they had look at all the stuff that Persona 4 would have. Persona 4 would have the character screen, the character portrait, the, the little character's head, the name, the goddamn person that they had that mentions random tips, uh, yeah. the burst gauge, the Persona cards. And the tension was made in a way that it had a number. And they, and they even jazzed up how the number looks. So, like, it makes it so that you know how much meter you have when you're using it. Dude, mm -hmm. they put all this crap into the UI, but it doesn't, like, it doesn't bog you. And even when the combos get hit, it's, it's small enough, but it's more distinct. Like, two hit, three hit, four hit. And when you know you hit a fatal, it, like, you, fatal, they just say it, but it's small and it's not enough to, doesn't, like, shoot in your face. So... I mean, old games did it right, man. So I don't, I don't get that. But going back to that, um, probably not, man. I don't got that kind of money, dude. I don't want to spend sixty dollars <laughs> and then like they're gonna hit me with the season pass after like a year, and then it's gonna be like thirty more or forty more dollars. I, I'll wait. I like waiting for my fighting games to like. I just don't like buying them nowadays because 
the way they do it, like, okay, so like the ultimate common, the addition of the ultimate, what did it come? Heavy metal game case, season pass, one, five characters, two additional stages, bonus story. Why would they lock the bonus story in goddamn, <laughs> like that's normal stuff that you would just unlock in the video game. Soundtrack, it's not even, wait, 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 that's digital? It's not even a physical soundtrack, man? Oh, I got beef with that, man. I got hella beef with that. Nah, no way, dude. I don't agree at all with that 99. That's $99, man. That, that Not only is that digital, but that throws away a lot of the physical, like, part of it like what's the collectible part of that man you know what i'm saying it's the box that comes in i don't know yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> and then, and that'll probably be dirt cheap later down the line so probably not man i'll be looking at it but like maybe most likely not because like i don't want to pay 60 dollars for a, a game i don't know man sadly i can't go to my locals and just try it from there because that's what i did with like uh grand blue and uh and bb tag so i don't know yeah i don't think i'll buy it at launch either you know, $60 for the standard edition doesn't seem if I mean, for what they're offering at this point in time doesn't seem to me to be all that. I, I think I'll spectate the game. I'll watch it for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that's the ultimate edition that comes out with everything that you just read. Again, like I don't like the fact that they're basically putting a bunch of colors behind the paywall and then a, mm-hmm. the soundtrack. And I mean, a obviously it comes with this, the season pass. So that's five characters and who knows what else it comes with. But so that's the ultimate edition for $99. What's the collector's edition going to be? Oh, my God. I, do they have one set or? Isn't that the one that comes with the perfume? Oh, man. <laughs> what? <laughs> If it ain't got no cologne, it's a bust, man. Don't mess with it. <laughs> smell of the game. Yeah, I gotta smell it. It's just it's, it's uh, what's that? It's Shitaro. Is that the dude's name? It's just the sweat in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it's just his sweat. It's it's it's. it's, it's <laughs> yes. You open it up, it smells like BB tag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Bruh. Oh no. Oh. But man. yeah, I I do not like how they did that. Ultimate that. That seems so messed up, man. Like, none of that is actually physical. It's all digital, man. Like, come on, man. That's how you, yo, that's an extra $30, man. And that's like half the price of the original game. Yeah, oh, extra 40 I think that's robbery. Man. I think yeah, that's man. robbery, especially when I forgot who came out with that suggested price and they said it was supposed to be $84.99 and they came out with 99 I mean, where does that money come from? And you brought up, you brought that that point, was it a couple days ago where you said, hey, man, how come some of these games are coming out to be 70 and some of them are 60? Where are they yeah, coming out with these real, prices? <laughs> I don't like that at all, man. And the fact that like the PS5 version has this exclusive multiplayer battle mode, that pretty much said if you ain't got the money, you ain't going to play all of what the game has to give you. And that's not right, man. That's that's, that's robbery, bro. Not even the PC, now that I think about it. PC mm-hmm. got everything. So why the hell it ain't got this multiplayer battle mode exclusive? Maybe it will have on launch, but that's grimy, man. That's... That's just not good, man. I don't like that, dude. Yeah, they've made some weird decisions, but I mean, I'm I'm totally interested to see and how the game plays out, like especially a couple months down. So it comes out, they said, what's the release? April 9th, 2021. Mm-hmm. Yo, that's my birthday, man. How about that? That's weird. Hey. <laughs> so April 9th, 2021, we'll see by like summer. So like July, we'll see where yeah. the game's at. And I think I- that'll be a good indication. Yo, for real. And so, like, and another thing I want to say, I don't think they mentioned any netcode or anything like that. Well, netcode is a big thing because it's, I don't think this, this pandemic going to end by then, bro. To be honest. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. Yeah. So, I think something like that, I have to give it some time. I have to hear what people have to say about netcode. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you said that, especially with the pandemic, 
I don't know about any other country, but I know in this country, I think if Biden wins, we're we're going to close down again. Like, we ain't opening oh, yeah. up anymore. So Seriously, dude. We'll see. So New Year's Day 2021, we'll get another announcement. Hopefully, we can get an open beta before the official release. Yeah, seriously, dude. And we can really test out the game and see how the rollback works, because that's really important. Mm-hmm. So. Well, we'll see. I'll keep uh, I'll keep my ear out for any more news on Guilty Gear Strive, but at least for now we have somewhat of a decent, clear picture of yeah, what to expect with this game. But this next news, now this could really be exciting, Pringle. Oh, I don't know about this. Is Melty Blood suing TM? So Ooh. I don't know if you saw any of this stuff kind of developing on Twitter there for a second, but website Gematsu reports that Japanese company Type Moon recently trademarked Melty Blood. In Japan, as of September 25th, 2020, as well as Korea, Europe, and the United States, as of the recording of this podcast on October 17th, 2020. The French Braid developed fighting game series has not seen a new release since Melty Blood Actress Again Current Code. God which damn first... it, oh. Yeah, it is. <laughs> which first launched in 2010 in Japan, before eventually launching worldwide for PC via Steam in April of 2016. Shortly following the trademarking news, Arc System Works producer Shinny said this on Twitter on October 14th, 2020. Quote, Finally able to move or to move on to this gigantic project. Or, oh my God, I can't read. Finally able to move this one gigantic project forward. I'll be having a very nice surprise for you all very soon. No, not Guilty Gear Strive. End quote. So, what do you think? You think we getting a new Melty Blood or are we getting debated? man that'd be sick as hell if we got you healthy blood dude that'd be hella dope and i'd hope that they put it on like uh i hope they took a note from like the dudes that made the sea caster for melty blood because that net code is like i i think it's better than rollback man i don't know what the hell they use <laughs> it's it, pretty damn good it's pretty damn i played a friend from like europe man and it was like i was playing offline dude so mm-hmm. oh my god man yeah man i oh boy that's a i didn't know about this man that's that's freaking sick, man. If they make a new Melty Blood, I think the fans deserve it, man. They got to make it just as good, better than what's per- currently playing. Because, man, if you see those dudes playing, man, there is something. Like, if I was a dev and I saw those dudes playing Melty Blood, there would be a warming. Like, I, I'd feel so warm in my heart. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, it, it is moving. Yeah, dude, it is moving to see people go to so many great lengths to play your video game. I mean, these dudes are willing to play in the dungeons. In the bathroom stalls, in your local Denny's, and your eye hops, goddamn anywhere that they could sit down and put that goddamn monitor or laptop, they'll play it, and that takes dedication. Dude, Melty Blood is a dope ass game, man. It is. Think about Melty Blood, like outside of like some things that Melty Blood is definitely missing. I'd say because it's missing some single player content, definitely mm. for a, a novel, which is weird. You'd think there's a lot more, right? But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but. As a fighting game, just with the, the versus mode in general, that game has so much to offer. Oh, it's so amazing. Much, yeah, like man. I didn't and I didn't know any of that until I reviewed that game and I was like, oh, this game is deep. Like it has Hell so yeah, many man. things going on for it. That game is designed very well. And like you said, it's so ironic that you have a visual novel mm-hmm. spinning off to a fighting game and doing it. Almost better than some regular fighting games. Hell yeah, they're doing games. <laughs> they, they took a dump. I mean, like, it, they pretty much took a dump on anything new. I'd say that much <laughs> yeah. for sure, man. Yeah, so Melty Blood has got, like, I really think this would be awesome. Again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. All you have to do, like you said, you, you sprinkle in some single-player content, you update the graphics, but you keep the heart of that game what it is. And mm-hmm. I think people will be happy. I want to hear, you know how like when you boot up Unio and it's, mm-hmm. that's what I want to <laughs> see when I play Melty Blood. 
a goddamn <laughs> weeb ass opening. <laughs> yeah. Anime as hell, man. Yeah, I think this would be really cool. A lot of people were speculating online: Is this? Are they going to put uh, Fate series in a fighting game? Oh, that'd be cool too. Or are they going to do? I don't know. Series going crazy there in the background. Hold on. <laughs> you hear? Like, sorry, sorry, you won't get a new Melty Blood game. I'm like, damn it, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not. She's not about that. Not about she, that she's way. not about your weeb, uh, weeb games. No, she's not. Come on, turn off Siri. There we go. But yeah, I, I uh, yeah, dude, that would be that would be sick, man. Uh, even if they just like just like buffed up Melty Blood's netcode on Steam would be good too, man. Because like I don't want to play on the Seacaster, and I don't feel like dropping my IP. So you know. No, I don't <laughs> like that either. I don't like that either. But. You know, actually, something that I just thought of, I was like, oh, shit. I was so happy for a second, and then Siri put me back down in perspective. Uh, <laughs> you think this is, could this have anything to do with guest characters in BB Tag? Because that would be oh, so man, <laughs> dude. Man, that'll, oh, man, I, I swear. If he's like, yes, everybody, I dropped Melty Blood into BB Tag. I'm like, ah, man, I don't want to play that crap, man. Come on, man. That game is like, nah, man. You think they're trying to put Elton maybe in BB Tag? Is that why they're doing this? Oh, man. That's like baby's first fighting <laughs> game right there. No, thanks. Brutal, dude. Well, we'll see. I really hope it's the the former and not the latter. But... Yeah, man. I like that. Knock on wood, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, we got some more news. I mean, we're talking about some weeb games. Hell yeah. Another one here. I don't know if you saw this. This one kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So the return of Phantom Breaker, and before I start reading this stuff, Phantom Breaker was a game that was on 360. It was like the beat 'em up, and I had a buddy that was like, he loved that game. He put in like so many hours into that game. Yeah, and he man. actually played Persona with me. And then uh, when I would beat his ass in Persona, he'd be like, oh, I'm gonna go play Phantom Breaker." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I uh, I really like that beat 'em up game. And I, 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 someone mentioned that it was an actual fighting game. It had a fighting game before the beat 'em up. Yeah. So Rocket Panda Games announced on Twitter in the early morning of October 15th, 2020, that fighting game Phantom Breaker Omnia is coming out and is targeting a worldwide release in 2021. Quote, Rocket Panda Games today announced its first game, Phantom Breaker Omnia, a massive update to Phantom Breaker Extra, a 1v1 2D anime fighting game or fighter originally released by Mages in 2013. will be coming to Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC via Steam in 2021, end quote. Now, Rocket Panda also proceeded to say this, quote, Phantom Breaker Omnia will be the first fighting game title in the franchise to see a Western release after the successful 2013 launch of the 2D side-scrolling beat-em-up spinoff Phantom Breaker Battlegrounds, which sold over 400,000 copies, end quote. That's a lot of copies for that little game. I did not know it sold that many. Yeah, it's, it's really fun. I like it too. Yeah, I didn't know that either. So Phantom Breaker Omnia will feature a 20-character roster, including two brand new characters for Omnia and the two guest characters from Phantom Breaker Extra, Kurisu Makise from Steinsgate and Rimi Sakihara from Chaos Head. All these my anime weep. names, man. Man, my weeb self know both <laughs> them characters too. <laughs> I do like the fact that they're being super transparent with a launch roster. They're saying it's going to be yeah, 20. seriously, dude. Yeah, yeah, That's man. cool. I like that. For those unfamiliar with the series, the game lets, you, lets players choose between three different styles, Quick, Hard, and Omnia, each with a unique focus that changes how a character plays and whether their first moves 
focus on speed, power, or specific game mechanics. Lastly, the game will have dual audio for both English and Japanese. Also, just a note, the press release did not mention any details with regards to netcode, be it rollback, or delay-based. I like how you put that last part, because you know that's important <laughs> for these Weave games, man. Yes. I, I, I'll be honest, man. With these Weave games, man, if they don't have like good netcode, man, they're not going to survive, dude. They like no, die they like, really, yeah. really quick. The only games, Weave games that people know and play is Blaze Blue, which people don't even play that that much, and Guilty Gear. And if you don't, if you don't have like the right things for all everything else, you're not gonna, you're not gonna survive, dude. Mm -mm. No. So yeah, I, I put that in there because I, I looked through that whole press release. They didn't mention a single thing with netcode, and I actually saw people on Twitter like, "Hey, this is great news." FGC people. They're like, hey, this is great news, but what are you guys using for netcode? Because again, like you said, COVID is the thing. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. nice that it's getting a Western release, but if you and I don't have locals and we can't travel to majors, kind of tough to try to play this thing, you know? Yeah, man. And it, I, every time, man, these like these these small little anime fighting games that come out, they don't have the right tools, man, and they don't survive very long. They'll last for like a week and then they just die off. So I, you know what the weird part is that the the original game was made by a different studio. Now it's mm. made by Rocket Panda Games. It used to be made by Mages. So studio change there. I'm assuming it's the same publisher. But yeah, I, th I thought that was kind of interesting. They're kind of trying to resurrect their game seven years after the somewhat indie popular beat-em-up. So good for them. We'll see how, how they go about this game. And I like the fact that they were pretty transparent. They said all these platforms is coming out and it's going to have 20 characters. We'll see. Did you see their trailer? The trailer had like no gameplay, man. That's yeah, really so I, I commented on that too. Like all the whole trailer was basically them showing the characters with like, you know, it looked like an anime trailer, like a, an anime opening. <laughs> you know, I think I know where that thing comes from. It comes from them old sitcoms. Whatever happens to it, and it shows the dude's face like, yeah. <laughs> and then the name comes out. <laughs> like Full House and shit. <laughs> yeah, man. That's how, that's how anime trailers be coming out now, man. They just show a name. Suga Shasha. And then it's just a name, and then it flashes another one. Just like that crap, man. <laughs> They did show all the characters, but I didn't understand. I was like, okay, you showed me like literally in a two minute trailer, you showed me two seconds of gameplay that came at the end. Right. Everything else was just the character portraits and like some weed music. <laughs> yeah, man, you know that ain't enough. I don't know what that, that's not, that's, that they already kind of shot themselves in the foot when it comes to selling a game, man. Maybe there will be a gameplay trailer eventually. Yeah, I hopefully, dude. Like, I wouldn't wait too long after that, man. I will say that's pretty cool that there's like three different play styles. That's cool. Yeah. We'll see. It's coming out next year. I'll be looking out for it, especially on PC. The Master Race. Yeah, hell yeah, man. <laughs> no console peasants around. <laughs> you see me get a PS5 on release day, I had to stab somebody for it. Ah, give me your PS5. <laughs> Man, but the look of these games, if you want a PS5 and you want Guilty Gear Strive, you better sell a kidney. Yeah, man. Dude, okay, okay. I know just a little bit off topic, but I remember in Discord, somebody mentioned how the PS5 is like, eh, no one's like really like, like, I know people will buy it, but it's nothing like, I don't know if you remember the PS3 release date. People will be mm -hmm. like, man, I've been camping here for, you see them head pop out of the damn tent. I've been camping here for like a week for my PS3, bro. <laughs> you remember, I don't know if you remember, but the news on the PS3 was crazy. There was like no launch title on that thing man <laughs> yeah it was so remember it, it launched cool. for 5.99 yeah yeah yeah, dude oh my god man i didn't get one at all but <laughs> dude there's so much people that were really hyped for that game for the console man it was crazy 
It's always, you know, what sucks is that I was talking to Scruffy in the Discord. It's always in the cold too, because yeah, it's always like November. Like Call of Duty comes out in November, and these consoles always come out in, the, in like you know yeah. the, the winter. So everybody's out there just freezing their balls off. And it's like I can't wait for the PlayStation. I need to. I can't. I'm not leaving here without my PlayStation. It'll give me warmth. Yeah, I can't feel my fingers, but I'm gonna get myself a PlayStation. Yeah, man. All right, that's that's it for the news. Uh, at least from what I saw, but. The fighting game topic of the week is all about rollback, Pringle. Rollback, rollback, and more rollback. Again, with the whole Guilty Gear theme, we were talking about Axe and Core. Here we go. Axe and Core, or rather, Arc System Works recently announced some exciting news for legacy Guilty Gear fans. In a tweet made on October 16th, my birthday, 2020, Arc System Work is quoted saying this, quote, we felt like this couldn't wait, dot, dot, dot. Guilty Gear XX Axon Core plus R for Steam will be receiving its much-awaited GGPO update soon. We will be conducting public testing from October 29th. More details will be announced at a later date. End Hell quote. Yeah. Oh yeah. Surprising. Not. Nah, I, th- I thought it was pretty interesting that they're all of a sudden saying GGPO for plus R. I did not see mm-hmm. that coming. I'm glad. I am very glad that they're doing it. So we'll see. Also, it's going to be really cool to contrast once this comes out because I recently just played KOF 2002 Unlimited Match. And actually, let's just get into it. So in other news, more rollback. SNK and Code Mystics had also announced that they have received good feedback with regards to their 64-bit rollback beta for the King of Fighters 2002 Unlimited Match. While the 64-bit rollback beta is over, the 32-bit beta is live until October 22nd for PC players, and Code Mystics will continue to update on their progress with the beta on Twitter as they have with the previous one. So Code Mystics, obviously, they implemented the rollback netcode into a bunch of games. They also, I don't know if you've seen, I follow them on Twitter, and every day, so the beta, I think, was live for 15 days. Every day, they would update on Twitter. Okay, so we fixed this, we noticed that, this has happened. They were really transparent with all their notes. I I really like that. And they were just straightforward with how things were going. I played Zio and Zio lives in Taiwan. I live in Midwest USA. And we played the first time I kind of got kind of greedy and I set my frames to five. So my Mm -hmm. delay frames to five. And we played okay. But during neutral, like going back and forth, it felt fine. When we got to actual fighting, it kind of got choppy. (laughs) <laughs> but it was still playable like the fact that we're so far apart and it was still playable like it was fine he whooped my ass though 5-1 so he's a much better KOF player than I am <laughs> I started getting the, the feel for it though later then we played another time and I didn't get nearly as as greedy I just left it on default and it was nine frames of of input lag or whatever and that was much better it actually felt not you know super great but for Taiwan to Midwest USA, it felt playable. Like, there's no way we can... Like, it felt like if I was trying to play somebody on the West Coast, which isn't ideal, but it's playable. Mm. And I was playing a guy who lives, you know, across the oceans. And I did a little bit better that time. It was 5-2 in his favor. Or maybe 4-2, I don't know. But that game is super, super fun. I'm actually really, really enjoying that game. And especially with the netcode now, this is what I was saying the whole time, is that the game is fun and it's not handholdy and it has good netcode. That's really all I want. As a, fu- as a fighting game boomer, that's all I want. Don't hold my hand, give me good netcode, and I'll, I'll do the rest. <laughs> mm-hmm. So man, man, right exactly. now, yeah. 
pending the Tekken 7 changes, I see myself playing probably 2002 UM for a little while. And we'll ha we're going to have to get you that game. Oh, yeah, I, man. I, I, think, I think you'll like it. I, yeah, I, 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 I wanted to get a re I would, I really, I wanted to get into any KOF at this point, man. Yeah. Yeah, that one's super fun. So I played Joe Higashi, and I love he had... So you can hit confirm from so far away. He has a step kick into like his like overhead kick or whatever you call it. Yeah. And uh, it's so fun to do. Like you just, you have to time like the step kick. So somebody gets into your range and then you immediately do the overhead. It's so fun. Damn, that's dope. But one more rollback news. So th this one was kind of weird. There's not a lot of details, but Street Fighter V Champion Edition received yet another netcode patch. One which seemingly further stabilized the PlayStation 4 to PC connections, as well as the PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 4 connections. I know... Remember they had the, the modders put that yeah, community man. patch and it was much better. And then Capcom took it away. Yeah, <laughs> that was terrible, dude. <laughs> they were like, yo, guys, we figured it out, man. We found the cure for cancer. Like, no, nah, we didn't find a cure for cancer. You did, basically. So they took it away. And then they kind of tried to implement it themselves, but they didn't do nearly as good of a job. And... It did kind of fix PC to PC, but PC to PS4 was kind of rough. And then PS4 to PS4, I guess, was just teleporting Dragon Ball Z shit. So, oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Dude. So this patch, you know, only seven months later, but it seems like it's stabilized some things from the initial reaction on Twitter for PlayStation 5 or PlayStation 4 with the Street Fighter 5 community. And... Yeah, it was kind of weird. They were talking about all all these these this, like technical stuff within the the patch notes of the or the, rather the press release for the netcode patch. So I don't want to put all that stuff in this press release, but I don't know. I guess it's better now. So we'll see. They're like biding their time till Street Fighter Six or something. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. Man, man. So I do want to say I'm pretty. I got kind of excited. I was like, yo, when I saw the Give Your Accent Core Plus getting the GGP of that. I'm really like that game was fun, man. It it had what I wanted in a Guilty Gear. No YRCs, man. Let's go. So like, right. <laughs> so that was really because I played it before with a friend and we had a lot of fun. I was like, yo, why is this almost more fun than Rev, man? Because we spent more time playing Rev, but then we just played it randomly and we had so much fun playing Axe Core. Axe Core is really damn fun, dude. And it's got plenty of characters too, which oh yeah, I feel like it's a character for someone, man. Yeah, I'm really hyped for that. I definitely uh, will play it when it does pass by and. uh the King of Fighters thing is really cool too, man. I I think that that's that's awesome about Code Mystics being so um, transparent and just. I feel like stuff like that helps us know more, man. It, like it gives us a better picture. Even mm -hmm. you, you could be BS in your way, and if you're doing that, it helps still. <laughs> like like <laughs> right. Like yeah, it's no, it's it's really cool the fact that they're letting us know what's going on. They did that every day on Twitter at the end of like their cycle or whatever. They said, okay, day four of the beta, this is what's going on. Day, mm -hmm. you know, 11 of the beta. So, yeah, shout outs to Code Mystics. I like the fact that they, they didn't have to do that, but the fact that they did was... It helps just, them, man. It makes yeah. them look so much better. Like, they don't have to, but damn, man, it helps you look better. That's for sure, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like if anything they ever need investors or anything like that, it's like, man, or like, I don't know, they do a random Kickstarter, people would be more than likely to help them at this point. I know I yeah. would. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it makes uh, it makes shows like this talk about them, right? Like, we, yeah, we ain't talking about uh, Guilty Gear Strive in their netcode because they're not saying anything. Yeah, <laughs> man. Seriously, dude. Did they say... I don't know who's doing the Accident Corp Plus uh, GGP. It's not Code Mystics. I think yeah. it's the internal... Mm, it's the internal... Uh, Guilty that's Gear concerning, team. but we'll see how that gets. <laughs> it's a real concerning. 
But yeah. it should be better because the accent cord uh, netcode isn't really good anyway. And uh, yeah, the Street Fighter Five thing is weird. I don't, I don't know why. I they did that to the dude that like found the mod, but like they really, they really kind of shot themselves in the foot. Street Fighter Five just needs so much help when it comes to the netcode. And I feel like it's not even that hard, but like they just keep making it harder for themselves. Maybe they're trying to perfect it for Street Fighter Six or something, but I don't know. That can't play that game at all, man. They don't like every time you think they can't do any worse, they find a way. Yeah, so man. A guy patches their game, people are happy, and they're like, actually, no. <laughs> it's like, why? Let's ask him how he do it. No. Hire the dude. You could use the talent. Yeah, and think about it. Someone did it and he didn't get paid to do it. He just did it for free. Just so he could just so he could enhance his experience in video games, man. Yeah. Like, come on, man. This is a goddamn hero of Street Fighter Five, man. You know that's how it is, man. Nobody wants a hero. <laughs> Killed his ass. It's like, get away from the world, need you. And they just burn him at the cross. <laughs> Brutal. Oh, well. Well, that's all the fighting game stuff we have. We have a non-fighting game topic of the week. This is something you brought up to my attention. And then I checked my email, and I actually got the email for the article that you posted. So, PlayStation is changing the guard. We freaked out there for a second, right? Yo, but- man, I thought we was getting Thanos <laughs> snapped, man. All, everything on PlayStation was getting Thanos snapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We thought, we thought it was Doomsday for a second, but... It's not Doomsday. I think it's the preliminary moves for Doomsday. This is like phase one. Yeah, man. (laughs) So PlayStation has recently sent out emails letting its consumers know that some changes are coming to the PlayStation Store. In the email, PlayStation said this, quote, We are making some changes to the content you can access on PlayStation Store via your desktop and mobile devices, end quote. PlayStation users will no longer be able to buy PlayStation 3 games and add-ons, PlayStation Portable games and add-ons, PlayStation Vita games and add-ons, as well as apps, themes, and avatars. This change will come into effect online from October 21st to October 26th, and on mobile on October 28th. It is important to note that if you already own any content, you will still be able to access all of your previously purchased PS3, PSP, and PS Vita content as before. Man, the way they phrase that sounds like, I don't know why, but it's it definitely, you have to read the whole thing. And I shouldn't mm-hmm. have to read the whole thing to know <laughs> you guys are just taking your weight on desktop. Like It's just weird how they wrote it, man. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Yeah, so when I read, so you linked that article and the headline of that article made me think that I won't be able to buy games on Vita anymore, on the digital store of Vita anymore, because they're just going to get rid of the store. So I was like, oh shit, I have so many games on Vita that I still want to play that I just haven't purchased with. I almost ran to my wallet into the Vita and I was like, oh, I, <laughs> I got to hurry, man. I got to hurry. But no, so it's just from the desktop and mobile stores. You can still access the stores on, if you have a PSP, if you have a Vita, or if you have a PlayStation 3, you can still access those stores through those devices, but you can't access those stores. Let's say if you want to buy a PS3 game on your desktop, you can't do that anymore. So that will take place on October 21st, and it'll get finalized on October 26th. And mobile is the last game to buy stuff through your, the mobile version of the desktop or mobile version of the PlayStation Store is October 28th. Now this, like I said, this is phase one. Eventually, what they're going to do is that like Vita Store on the actual Vita is going to go away. Same with PS3 and same with PSP. So it's they're they're really changing the guard here. I think they're really trying like GameStop, man. They're trying to push away the old stuff and end with the new stuff. They're dusting it, man. They're Thanos <laughs> snapping yeah. all of it. Cause like Nintendo pretty much did it, man. They took away, they shut down the Wii Shop, uh, which was a godlike place. It was some only place where you can get some old games. Mm-hmm. Now you have no way to get it unless you emulate, man. 
So they're dusting all these old games, and it's like it's so weird, man. Nintendo did it with eShop, and they're doing it now. The 3DS is not like they're not making any more 3DSs. So, well, now this 3DS store is gone. So what the hell are we gonna do with there? Now we gotta have the Switch, where you guys only release like an SNES game every five months, and we just got Donkey Kong Country Three. Oh boy! <laughs> Until the Switch Two comes out, and then they dust the Switch store. Yeah, man, right. But look at look at Xbox, man. They're doing it right. They're like, oh no, nah, man, we got those games just for you, man. You just gotta go online right quick. Yeah, it's all in Game Pass, right? Like you just yeah. get the library. Like keeping all those games, man. Like you know how many times I'm still seeing people trying to sell me Castle Crashers or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like, bro, them games are dirt old, man. Yeah. You know, now that I'm seeing this, I think PS3 will still be okay because you know those physical copies of certain games will still be out there in the wild. But yeah. once once they dust Vita and PSP, man, good luck finding any of those games physically. Not much of them, yeah, man. The PSP, especially in Vita. Amazingly, I feel like there's less Vita, man. <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, the poor Vita. Yeah, I know, right? Poor Vita, and the name is Life. <laughs> <laughs> Got no life, man. Right, but yeah. So this this is step one. So if you own a Vita, you own a PS3, you own a PSP, you might want to start thinking about buying those games and owning them now before they really go to phase two, where they just they just snap the finger. Yeah, man, they're gonna dust it, man. It's, dude, that, that sucks, man. I don't like this at all. The the way they're preserving digital copies doesn't help because they're not putting all out everything out there. So like, it's like, come on, man. If you're gonna go all the way digital, why can't we find all the games? It's all just files, right? But no. Did you know that uh, a lot of devs back then japanese devs i don't know if americans did it much but or any other country because there is other countries that make video games outside of japan and america <laughs> right because we only saw it only ever sounds like two right right they um they didn't keep their so source codes so like the coding and all this stuff that they needed they would just throw it in the garbage back then man <laughs> yeah that didn't that happen with one of the mega mans yeah, 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 dude. Yep, yeah, man. They, uh, yeah, they definitely did that with a lot of old SNES games. They just threw away the source code, dude. That's why you can't find a lot of those games, and you gotta like emulate them. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. Like having to emulate some old games, some games you just can't find anymore. It's like ah, because the physical copies aren't a thing. If you're gonna do that, at least make it all available digitally so we can purchase it still. But mm -hmm. nah, nope. I'll, I'll definitely be. There's like two or three games. There's like Freedom Wars and Dragon's Crown and a couple other games on Vita that I want to play. So I'm going to buy them and install them eventually, uh, at least mm. before before everything gets dusted so I can just have them so <laughs> I can play them at any time. Yeah, I, I got Dragon's Crown on, on GameStop like, uh, I think it was like last year, uh, two years ago. And it oh, was really? like, yeah, man, I got it for like 15 bucks, dude. <laughs> yeah. And it came with the uh, little, like it was used, but it came with like the, the really nice case where it like pops up, it's really dope. Yeah. I wish Gravity Rush 2 would have been on Vita, but from what Jam told me on Discord, that that game wouldn't work on Vita. So. Oh, yeah, because they made uh, Gravity Rush, Rush 1 specifically for it, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, and then they made the remaster for PlayStation yeah. or PlayStation 4, but on Vita, it's so good. I feel like they didn't even utilize it. Like, same thing with the 3DS, they didn't really utilize the features in the video games it got. So, like, 3DS no. don't even really use touchscreen that much. The DS used it too much. I hated it. But like the Vita, did, I don't even see the point of touchscreen on the Vita, man. Yeah, there's a couple games that did a good job. You know that game Tearaway? Ah, uh, no, I'm not sure. Tearaway is a game that is. I I got it because my uh, my cousin wanted to play it, and he was much younger than me. When I was like 19, he was six, I think. And 
I got it for him, and he, man, he loved that game. For, so a game for for kids, at least I thought, like it's a cutesy game. It's tearaway, and it uses the the back touch really well, uses the front touch really well, and that's actually a really unique game. So they, a couple of them, if the developers really made it point of emphasis to use the the design of the Vita, you can do it. But I think a lot of them were just like, eh, yeah. Oh well. Well, now we got some game sales. Last week we didn't have anything, absolutely nothing. Yeah, boy, dry, dry land. <laughs> dry dry this this week we actually got some stuff so on playstation 4 we got some game sales ultimate marvel vs. capcom 3 is now available for 9.99 this deal is good until october 29th 2020 and mm. on the xbox we actually got a bunch of them and all of these are so if you're listening to this right now this is probably going to come out hopefully if i can turn this around really fast i'll turn this around tomorrow so this will be out on october 18th but all these deals i'm about to read to you they're done until midnight of october 19th so you really have a day if you want any of these games pause what i'm talking or pause this podcast and go get the game and then come back so street fighter 30th anniversary edition is now available for 14 dollars 99 marvel versus capcom infinite is available for 9.99 or 9.99 but the deluxe edition is available for 23 dollars 99 tekken 7 ultimate edition is available for 19 dollars 99 and ultimate marvel vs capcom 3 again this time on xbox one is available for 9.99 again all these deals that i just read are good until october 19th 2020 ah uh, man that's what i like about xbox man they 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 always got cheap games man let's be honest with you. i don't get they ain't got nothing i got but nothing i want but they always got <laughs> yeah. cheap games man yeah and they're doing pretty cool stuff with their game pass as well so mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And nothing on Steam. Actually, there is something on Steam. It's not a fighting game. Uh, Sega is having their 60th anniversary sale. Oh, yeah. So if you want to get Persona 4 Golden, there you go. It's on Steam. I think it's like 15 bucks or maybe $14 on it. On Switch, this is the thing I don't like about Switch is that I tried to hunt for it, but I couldn't find it. Is that where is the date for the end of the sale? I can't. Like, they don't make it very easily it's nintendo just, man, <laughs> yeah, man like, they make on, everything man. asinine bro yeah. <laughs> so dragon ball fighters fighters edition is 23 dollars 74 on the switch digital store i don't know when that ends but ultimate edition is also there for 27 dollars 49 that is, i don't know it could end for all i know by the time i just finished saying that sentence but nintendo <laughs> doesn't do right now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I guess if you want those games on Switch digitally, you can find them. The other one is we were talking about some bad games. Oh, my God, Pringle. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this indie fighting game titled Fight. It's just called Fight. It's now available on the Switch Digital Store for $9.99. It's probably almost as bad as Girl Fight. (laughs) Maybe it's the same developer. (laughs) Jesus Christ. If you can find the trailer for this thing. I should have linked it in the show notes. But it's... Man, it's it's really bad. It's, oh it's man, it looks good. horrible, dude. Oh, <laughs> God, Lee. So if you want to torture yourself by playing a really bad fighting game, Fight is now available on the Switch Digital Store for ten dollars. Oh man, it looks horrible, dude. <laughs> looks like two people trying to fight after they just took one class of fighting, man. Dude, and they're uh, <laughs> and they're fighting like in quicksand. I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> man. Oh, dude, so it's terrible, man. Terrible. And man, how many times Dragon Ball Fighter Z is gonna like they, how see man if they're putting this game, if they're putting Dragon Ball Fighter Z on so much sales, who knows what Guilty Gear Strive will look like in like a year? Yeah. It'll probably exactly. be like dirt cheap. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for the game sales. Now we got some listener questions. And we didn't get a lot of questions this week. It was kind of a slow week for questions, but it's okay. The first one is the usual. Zero. 
on Patreon. I figured we would open with this one instead of closing with it. Where's King of Fighters 15? I don't know. But <laughs> tell you what, if King of Fighters 15 comes out with that Code Mystics 2002 UM netcode, they can take their time. Yeah, man, seriously. I hope that there are, I hope that the guys at SNK are working well with the Code Mystics guy. They probably are if they're like doing all that, but I don't know, man. Hopefully that's the case because maybe if they're keeping up in touch, they'll be like, hey, man, why don't we put it in, in KO15? Because Man, I want more, man. Why have we only seen a logo? Goodness <laughs> sakes. Every week. Every, Every week, week, man. It pisses me off, dude. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Dario Spina on YouTube asks, do you have any hidden gems or guilty pleasure games? I just got Fightcade and have been having so much fun with fighting games I've never heard of or had access to. Mine so far are Asura Buster and Martial Masters. I don't know any of those games. Yeah, me either. And I be I used to sit in our fight cade a lot. <laughs> so any hidden gems or he said, okay, so he said hidden gems or guilty pleasure games. He didn't say fighting games. Mm. So you know what I'm about to say. Listen, Pringle. I've been on that. I've been on that Maple Story grind again. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you've been playing it. I was like, damn. I, no lie, though. I keep that to myself. Man. I try to. It spills out every so often. <laughs> <laughs> so. I haven't played too much. I only played once for two hours, so I'm level 11 or level 12, I think. Yeah, man. Okay, so it's technically old Maple Story, but it, you could tell that it's, you know, it's just a bunch of boomers playing in it. So I'm <laughs> playing it on a server called Maple Royals, I think. Yeah. And it's actually kind of fun. So it's, again, it's hard. I think it's, there's only five classes. It's uh, Bowman. Oh, it's the five legacy classes. So the yeah. four plus, plus pirate. Ah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it took me, I think it took me two and a half hours to get to level 12. <laughs> you don't get to hear that no more, man. It'd be no. like, oh yeah, I got to like level 50 in two hours. Like, what? <laughs> no, it's, it was brutal. But you know what was kind of cool? I was meeting people in the game where I was just walking around. And I just started talking to this one girl. At least I think it's a girl. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I, we, just, we just started talking. And I, I was just asking, I was like, how long has it been? Because listen, ain't nobody picking up Maple Royals. If you're just trying to get into Maple Store, you'll yeah, get man. actually you, you, you it's all boomers. It. It's all like legacy players. So I was just I was asking, like, how long has it been since you played? She was like eight years. <laughs> I was like, damn, yeah, that's damn. So everybody's there for like a nostalgia trip. And then I was uh, so I made a, a thief and yeah. I I'm in the like the you know the the little bar where you get yeah, your first the, job the, the, the Kerning City bar. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I, climb, I get my first job in Vanson and then I climb back up the stairs in Kerning City and I'm, I start going left. And then some dude stops me in the street. He's like, yo, man. I was like, what's up? And he just starts throwing a bunch of stuff, just like equipment and money and stuff. And he's like, here, man, Hell get yeah. you started. And I was like, thanks, dude. And then I uh, I took a bunch of his equipment and I uh, then that's when I logged out. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's pretty sick. But I didn't want to play anymore because I knew I would get sucked in. And I had Yo, you <laughs> <laughs> see, that's how that will happen to me. I played. I'm like, oh, man, I haven't I haven't got out this chair for like four hours, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a fun two and a half hours and a cool little nostalgia trip. And for the, the most part, dude, like I've seen, I'll be honest, obviously, I think there's bots involved as well. Mm -hmm. But they keep player tracks, like who's online. And when I was, I think it was, I was on a random night and there were 1700 players online. And then I went to like the steam charts for regular Maple story. And obviously it's just regular Maple story, but yeah, or, or rather just steam. It was at 3,800. So you're telling me this old server 
yeah. has over a third of the original game. Dude, that game is dying. Maple Story is dead. It, like, it's yeah, dead. man. Oh, dude, it it hurts me so much, man. It <laughs> it hurts me so deep yeah. at where they keep they just added a new patch and it's like Nobody cares about that stuff, dude. It's nah, like, dude. yo, me reading the patch notes of Maple Story is gigantic, man. Like, it is <laughs> uh, like so much patch notes. Sometimes they even put a they put a patch notes for like events coming up soon. And it's like, why all this right now? So much just crap, man. Oh man, it's not as fun, dude. Like, yeah. it's just not the same, man. And you know what's funny, also, Mac too. Most of those people that are playing current maple story they're playing on the reboot server i don't know if you know what that is but it's like uh oh so you don't know so what the reboot server is is that it's a server where experience and money is increased i I believe experience and money yeah it's increased you cannot trade at all like you can't trade you can't sell items so the only way to get items in that game is you gotta grind for it you gotta kill bosses and you're all on your own type of there's other stuff to it yeah man untradeable items it's no free market nothing like that Hmm, interesting yeah i didn't know about that yeah and so what happens is that a lot of people are playing that because it's more nostalgic and they like it more more in a way because you earn everything but you got to play you got to grind so much for money it's like you got to grind a lot for meso and it's it's more time consuming than it is being able to just bargain and sell stuff but it reminds people more of like the older maple story because the reboot server is like mad packed with people man yeah so okay so just as an experiment i downloaded regular maple story mm-hmm. and i went back into my old account and uh, one thing i didn't know is that they combined all the worlds together so yeah man i used to all my characters used to be in broa and now they're all in this like weird world because they just merged them all i guess because of low population it was so now yeah, there's it like was there's like four worlds now and i logged in first of all the ui is trash now it's oh like, you're like this <laughs> no it's, it's so like, much stuff yeah, I mean it's wide and it's just it's too much going on. I felt like guilty mm-hmm. gear. But anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I was just like, okay, let, just for fun, let me make an adventurer and see real quick how long it's gonna take me to get to 12. Because it just took me two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Dude, first of all, there's a six minute cutscene and mm-hmm. then you start at level 10. And yeah, you kill, you, you kill one monster and you get to twelve. So it took me six minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They fast track that, so there's no one to ten, and you don't get off the boat and stuff like that. You just, you just get to ten, and then you could. I think you can even just jump from like everything. You just talk to people, and they just teleport you to your boss. I mean, to your yeah, job man. advance guy. But anyway, we, I, I got sidetracked. My guilty pleasure now is old school Maple Story, even though I, <laughs> I only have, I only played it once for two hours, but I kind of, I think I want to stream that game to be honest, because it's just it's fun, fun, like man. mindless stuff. Yeah, it's really fun. If you could get, if y'all, if y'all don't, or if you guys are interested in something old school, you should join Mac on that. I'd play it too, but I don't really have like a, a computer to sit down and play that stuff. But I definitely been wanting to play it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I mean, eventually we should, we should make a Hollywood Maple Story Guild. Right. Uh, yeah, go fight. So I guess one of the problems with lasting on this on this old school maybe story, one of the problems is that bossing is some of them are impossible because mm-hmm. uh, the Big Bang. What it did is that it increased HP for a lot of the characters, and this is pre Big Bang. So like you can't absorb hits; you'll just die right away yeah, with certain man. bosses. <laughs> so like, who's the giant fish? Pianist, uh, I think it's called. Plants yeah, something like that. So you really have to be overpowered to fight him because you remember he does like four and a half k if he hits you with a yeah, beam. Man. But other like you can't do the what's the pink looking thing that does hella damage? Beam something? 
Pink yeah, bean. Pink bean. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. had it. <laughs> What's that you pink keep... bean that does hella damage? <laughs> yeah. So like you can't fight him. You can't fight Cygnus Empress. You can't fight any of those, even though some of them are in the game because you'll just die. Like you just don't have the HP for it. So what you have to do is you have to HP wash, which you, you basically get it from like the cash shop. And uh, you don't spend real money, but you have to like vote on their website or whatever. Oh, that's how you get the yeah. That's how they do it on the the private servers. You gotta vote for the um, cash points. Yeah, but that's only if you want a boss. If you just want to kind of hang out and you know grind and uh, just do like little bosses, like you can still do Crimson Balrog and you can do mm -hmm. other ones. But here's the thing: I'm planning on making a Shadower anyway. It's like a Chief Bandit. Yeah. So. I got Missile Guard, so what do I care? I take, uh, yeah, I take the damage yeah, and have. <laughs> yeah. Broken back then, man. Yeah, dude. So that's that's what I'm going to do. And then if you're a magician, you have Magic Guard, which, you know, you basically sacrifice MP for HP, so. Mm -hmm. Which was also broken, dude. Yeah, dude, mages, mages could take hits. They would be tanks. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, that was pretty broken, dude. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's fun. So I'm going to get going on that eventually. But yeah, that's uh, my guilty pleasure. What's what's your, you have a guilty pleasure game? And I, uh, I don't think I do currently right now, man. I've really been playing. I've, I've been playing like Breath of Fire two for the PS for my Vita, but it's like a, it's a Game Boy Advance game, so I hacked it. But mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I use my Vita on for now. Yeah, um, right. Yeah, I don't. I don't really think I have a. I can't really think of one any at the moment, man. I, I, I feel like if I was playing more games, I'd tell you. But oh, actually, man, you know what? I will say it's, it, lately, it feels like Skullgirls has been my guilty pleasure, man. Cause I don't want to, like, dude. I'm gonna be honest with you. After like a couple of hours, I'm like, I don't want to play this game. Like, <laughs> like I, I, it's too much big bands, too much of the same stuff. <laughs> I like playing different fighting games because I get more variety. Yeah. Playing one is like kind of killing me inside, man. Like, and it's the only thing I could kind of play on like max. So yeah, I noticed you were saying you're kind of falling out of love with that game just based on yeah. the fact that it's the only one you're playing. So yeah, it's not as fun when you're. Yeah, I, I just need more variety, man. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I'm like, man, I don't want to play something else. Like, <laughs> but then I still played. I, like yesterday, I played for like four hours. And I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Because <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like, I was like, I need to stop playing this. Dario Spina has a second question, but it's only for you. He said, Pringle, would you rather be chased by a big band-sized peacock <laughs> or 25 peacock-sized big bands? <laughs> None of them. Never, ever. They probably like, give me a hit. And then they hit me with their, their oh, man. And then they play some really annoying ass song. Oh man! I just Can pick uh twenty five yeah, little big bands. Oh man, yeah, that little sounds bands. worse. <laughs> Go with that little bands, yeah, man. Ugh. Orchestras. Oh man! All right, Arrow on YouTube asks: When it comes to making a deep fighting game, I feel like there are two routes you can take. You either give characters very few but incredibly powerful and straightforward tools, example Street Fighter or Samurai Showdown, or you have numerous but incredibly niche tools, example Guilty Gear or Tekken. I'm not sure if I agree with Tekken. This is 100%. This isn't 100% accurate view, as even the examples I gave can fall into either category depending on how you view it. Okay, so yeah. But this seems to be the general school of thought for most fighting games. What would you say are the merits of the two? And what kind of would you want to see more in the future? So I guess in what kind of game would you like to see more in the future as far as you're using those two different schools of thought? Mm. I think you can have both. I don't really, I don't think I have a preference. I just want the game to feel, to just flow, right? So if, okay, so like Samurai Showdown, uh, you can die with basically two hits. I want the flow of the pace of the match to complement that, right? So I, I don't want it to be extremely fast, 
because then you know two hits is not enough to react to <laughs> dive kick man <laughs> yeah. yeah so you need you need to slow down the pace of play if you're going gonna give me two hits to react to and to basically count on but if you're giving me a lot of tools and you're accelerating the pace of play then that's okay because then there's it complements the play style do you, i don't know do you have a preference as far as like i mean as far as the tools do you rather have single like a single shot offense or like a like a flurry offense i'd rather have a flurry of stuff man hmm? i feel like a flurry is like you get to be more creative so like if you use like i guess like guilty gear or you can even use like blaze blue blaze blue has so much i think blaze blue has more crap than guilty gear man with each character oh my god right. yeah yeah because like blaze blue will have like these normal buttons and then every character has like this thing called the drive button or i think it's called that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it's like basically like all this other extra crap that this character can do and these aren't even like specials or anything like that so i didn't even say Skullgirls has that kind of aspect where it's like you have so much little tools and each tool has utility but i will say that what happens though is that with the flurry of tools is that sometimes they have like no utility and i hate that like it's like what is the point of this move it's useless yeah. like certain <laughs> moves in tekken like why would i ever use this ever <laughs> yeah tekken has a lot of that like so tekken is a good example of people like the overload of information people see when in reality mm-hmm. it's just strings and they just call it a move yeah and it, it's a lot of the times there isn't much you like so for instance what was the character uh kazumi right this character mm-hmm. has at least like i don't know, like 50 supposed moves quote unquote but people only use like five on that chick right <laughs> yeah exactly dragonov jack you only need like a couple yeah oh jack is a is a perfect example of a character that has all this like weird and, and cool stuff people only use like three buttons and it sucks <laughs> so he's yeah. He, he's definitely one of those like incredibly powerful and straightforward tools. But then that the thing with those two though is that with the powerful and straightforward, you kind of like I feel like if they do it right, then you're good. But if they don't, they do it wrong. Like in the case of Jack, then it's like what like it's kind of pointless, and they just added all of this fluff into the guy, and they don't use any of that stuff, and it really is not. It, it doesn't. It makes the character more boring. Like Jack Seven, right? Jack Seven, right? He's so mm-hmm. boring. Because he only does like a couple moves. I didn't even say Dragonoff at a certain point was just like that. Because it's like you gave him such strong tools, but then he took away everything else that makes the character more interesting. Yeah, I will say Jack is not very fun to watch. But if you ever play Jack, especially against somebody who's lower level, and here's the thing, I'm evil. So I'll just spam Jackhammer and just see what they do. (laughs) It's annoying and fun, man, at that point, man. Yeah. I'll say as far as the merits, the merit about having like single shot offense or very powerful straightforward tools is that it teaches you fundamentals. I don't want to get caught with very powerful stuff. So let me understand spacing. Let me understand Mm -hmm. anti-airs. Let me understand, you know, all the fundamentals that games like Street Fighter and the King of Fighters, they teach you, at least they have taught us within the last 20 years. As far as merits for the other stuff for, you know, new age games like Blaze Blue and uh, newer Guilty Gear, you know, things like Persona, things that are just higher in pace of play, they teach you execution, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not yeah, primarily, so but I mean, Street Fighter can also teach you execution, but like long form execution, you know, Skullgirls has a lot of execution. So you better learn your offense because you're going to be doing a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And it teaches you consistency. 
So you need both. I think, you know, you need fundamentals that the slower games teach you, but you also need the some of the offensive prowess or even there's certain defensive capabilities that you can learn through faster games because like in Persona, if somebody is juggling me in the air, but then they miss a link if they mistime it and then I recover, yes, I recover and I'm no longer getting hit, but I got to be awake because I got to hold back once I'm in the air so I can block in the air so they don't keep doing a reset. So you have to learn those things with all these different games that's a uh, yeah man you actually now you think about it you're right though because like with all the stuff that like schoolgirls has you're not anti-airing in that game okay that's not like something you usually do but then when i play street fighter i realized that anti-airing is very you know important especially the fifth one because like mm-hmm. the way anti-airs work are terrible but um yeah that one it really helped me anti-airing and spacing and slowing it down i will say guilty gear is really good in the sense where you do long executions anti-airing is important spacing is actually pretty important in a game like that i'd say almost it's weird i'd say that guilty gear is one of those or one of those good games where if you first start playing games you can utilize so many things to help you because guilty gear has things like dedicated anti-air buttons and stuff like that and you should know your spacing and, and you know you you learn oki and stuff like that Mm-hmm. So I think it's really good in that regards. But uh, yeah, I, I I played so much Skullgirls at a certain point, man, in Persona. In Persona, man, you don't anti-air. You don't anti-air. Who does that? Who just, <laughs> you, you air. Everyone air dashes. So you ain't, <laughs> you never anti-air nobody in Persona, man. It's so fast. So it's, yeah, like, it's it not tough. like a focus. Yeah, man. If you anti-air somebody, you, you got to read. That wasn't a reaction. <laughs> Once you get it, you really get rewarded. But also, you need a character with a good anti-air. Yeah, and if you don't man. have a good anti-air, then you kind of have to hold that. Yeah, man. It's Or yeah, air-to-air, right? Yeah, or air-to-air, yeah. Or air-grabbing, which is something... Like, I feel like smooth brain people do. Like, big brain people air-grab. Yeah, the option select, like, uh, jump back, uh, grab. Was yeah. Option select? Yeah, something like that. I, I, I never use options. I hate option selects, man. <laughs> I hate them so much, dude. They should they should not be in games, but right. um, that's what that's one of my regrets with Guilty Gear. But that's something else. But yeah, <laughs> I, I think uh, yeah the uh, I played so much Skullgirls, but I just never like realized how important anti airing was. I even played Darkstalkers, and even in that game, you know, you do it, but not that often. So mm-hmm. like, because you can kind of like push block in Street Fighter, it's like, oh wait a minute, you have to anti air. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. Even in Unio, like anti airing. I think it's more prominent. I don't, I'm not too sure, but yeah. Depending uh, on the character, yep. Yeah, so yeah, it's really important to use, like, you don't realize how important anti-airing is. Now, now, now from that, I, I'm able to, like, really clap people like that just by anti-airing them in, like, games where you can combo a lot. You know, actually, the game that taught me the value of anti-airing because I didn't play Street Fighter 4 was Rising Thunder. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah definitely. I played, I played Shell in Rising Thunder. She was, like, the girl character who was a Shoto-like. She had a she had uh, like the the tall like Muay Thai kick for her anti yeah, yeah. like she, then she had the fireball and that's what I would do so when somebody and because the fireball was on cooldown you had to play footsies mm-hmm. so I had to go back and forth and then make them jump with the fireball either faster or slow and then anti air and she had like a cooldown uppercut so what I would do is I would throw a fireball if they jump. And it would, they were right on top of me. I'd use the cooldown uppercut. And then if I knew I didn't have the cooldown uppercut, I would stay farther away so I can hit them with a the heavy kick. And yeah, like, hey. man. That was my whole game plan. I had no combos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just, <laughs> dude, you can beat people like that oh, too, yeah. man. That's yeah. You can beat the people that don't know how to play. So like when I first got into it, like I liked Ryu because he taught me, you know, DPing. Like I don't, I'm not like before I was never good at DPing off like reaction. Now I could do it like 
all the time, man. Like I do it all the time, dude. And like it, he really did help me learn how to do that more. And DPing is really important, and it's hard to do it under pressure. Yes, it is. It is. All right, three more questions. B Jangles on YouTube asks, "This one's for everyone. When did you all find out that you loved fighting games?" I got it. Here, here you yeah. go. This for all of us. When I realized that I hated the direction of where the new ones are going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Yeah. That's when the passion comes. It's like this is a, this is when you say the whole. This is when the quote comes. This isn't what my fighting games were like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. What do we got here? Two more. Smokeback official on YouTube asks. Oh, this is a question for you, Pringle. Is frame data important to know for a new gamer to enjoy a fighting game? Because there's just too much frame data talk. Hell no. I'm I, I'm the anti-frame data guy, man. I oh, dude. I uh. So like, I don't know, man. If you ever see Daigo play, you realize that he'll know frame data, but he don't give a crap. And I think there's a part to that. There's a big part to that. Frame data is important long in the later run, though, man. Because as a new game player, that's not what's that's not enjoyable for you, man. I've taught no. people, yeah, man. You're not. I, I, when I first played games, I didn't really know about frame data. I didn't even understand any of that stuff. Even when I was playing the three games that I was playing, I didn't look at frame data at all, man. I just looked at my combos. I looked at how to move. Like movement is a big. I think movement is bigger than any frame data. You could tell me because I knew a friend. I remember I played this dude named Funky, man. I played a lot with him in Persona. He taught me a lot. He he told me about this person that could play. Um, she could play Persona, but like the thing was that it's like, man, she know all these combos, but she can't hit me. So what the hell's the point <laughs> of them combos if you can't hit me? You know what I'm saying? So like, movement, I think is very important. Knowing how to move because that takes a long amount of time. Dashing, like it took me a while to learn how to dash, like legit, just double tapping the forward but now right. i do that without thinking but that stuff is very important for a new gamer knowing how to play the button no i mean the game knowing how to play the game is much more important than any button or any plus on block or any frame that it can teach you man you just you you want to learn how to move you want to learn because like in a platformer for instance because it's the only thing i can think of in a 2d game if you think of a platformer you learn how to run jump and that's really it and then you can learn how to work around with those things and then the game kind of starts teaching you how to get it harder have you i don't know if you ever seen people play super mario world but they don't even know how to run bro like damn they don't <laughs> even know how to hold the b button so that they can run so that they can just run through the level and it's the first level and that's what the level is trying to show you so i think those are much more important than um frame data and then teaching someone those buttons later down when you're teaching them you could show them things about the buttons and stuff like that i think when you get to a more understanding level then you start telling people the reason why that didn't work is because you're negative and that's mm -hmm. when it's like then you start explaining people about frame data but yeah man i agree man there is just so much stuff on frame data and i know some friends that are really deep into that i've had trouble with folks when it comes to me trying to teach them something because they're thinking too much in frame data and it's like, you got to let that go, man, because you're not there yet. You have to mm -hmm. think more in what the game is offering you. You have to think more in what you're doing, like how to jump, how to hit this button, how to figure out what the hell your combo is. Right. And then you can really delve deeper into frame data because that, that honestly is like, it's kind of weird because frame data can change too, depending on how far the button is. It's, it's such a, like a jarring concept in a weird way because it's simple. It's like you just oh this is negative five that means you can't take a turn but when you realize that what if there's things like spacing what is the button in, when he jumps in 
all these little things can change frame data completely. As a beginner, and even I'll, I'll say this, as an intermediate, it should not consume your whole play style. There's mm -hmm. so many other things that take precedent with fighting games. Like like you said, spacing, learn, learning your own combo, and just getting comfortable both with your character and the game. Those, I think, take precedent over frame data. And then once you get to a point where like you're extremely comfortable with all those things I just mentioned, that's when I think you should start getting at the frame data, but it varies game by game. I think certain games will push yeah. that. Like Tekken will push frame data a little sooner on you, but a game like Persona, man, I never use frame data in Persona. See, that's... So, yeah, wait. So I'm glad you... Well, I have two things. Where I'll let you finish. Go ahead, go ahead, man. No, no. I, yeah, I was just saying, I've never used frame data in that game. Yeah, man. So, okay. So, like, I've mentioned two things. Yeah, man. So frame data is also... It is important to the game you're playing. Like in Street Fighter... That stuff is really important, like, like uh, but it's still not something you're gonna learn because, like, Max said earlier, he did fire on Rising Thunder, fireball, and then you whack their ass when they jump at you. That's all mm -hmm. he need, right? And you could beat. Usually, you could beat anybody that doesn't know how to play at that point, unless they hit you with something real cheap and you don't know how to deal with it. And you can figure it out, and then you can beat them anyways. So, like in a game like Persona and Dark Soccer's and and Skullgirls. When people tell me about frame data, I'm like, man, don't worry, <laughs> bro. It don't even matter. Do you know how many times you'll do something and they won't punish it? And it happens because it's just such a fast game that you don't want to get touched in general. So there's right. not even about frame data. It's not wanting to be touched. But in a game like Street Fighter, everything is slower. Uh, for instance, there's a button. Um, Karen's uh, standing light kick at the time. This move was like plus, I don't even know, plus galaxies back in season one, man. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> It was plus forever ago. It was plus like six or five or something. Jesus. She could, oh my God. It was oppressive as hell. They had to nerf it like twice, bro. They that thing was like plus four or five or something. She could tick throw, she could combo, she could okay with it, she could do, she could chain with it. Oh my, it was busted as I don't know what. It was it man. I think I even seen somebody in here with it. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it was good as hell, man. That is one of those times where you learn frame data because you're like, why does this dude keep pressing the same button at me? But trust me, if someone is doing that to you, that means that they know frame data. And so that means that you're already fighting somebody that is experienced and knows and understands what that is. And so that's so that's a variant to the game you're playing. When you're a beginner, man, you're not really thinking. You, I don't think you should think about those things first. You should experiment and explore the game for you, you and yourself. When you get more versed into it, you can look into frame data. I, I personally, I, after learning more about fighting games, man, there's the there's the really brainy players, and then you have the Daigos, man. And, and like I, I read his book. I don't know if you ever read his book, dude. It's pretty funny, man. It's a good book. I read that dude's biography, and he'll be like. Some people, I think he says it in the book, but I, or maybe he said it at some point, but he's like, some people will say, you know, some people will be like, well, that's negative. You shouldn't press a button. That wasn't safe. Safe is a big word you hear in fighting games. That wasn't safe. That wasn't safe. Well, let me tell you, it's not always about it being safe, right? So mm -hmm. there's there's sets, I think you can find Daigo, where it is due DPs on people's wake up. And people have done it to me, and I do, I've done it to people, and, and it, it ain't always about what's safe. And what's like negative, it's about feeling. It's about just doing it because you have a read on your opponent. Those are things that go past frame data. But later down the line, when you get more deeper into a game, frame data could really help you. There are some people that are really, really good and really great at frame data. I just don't like it so much because I feel like sometimes it boxes a player in. If you look at numbers all the time, you're only going to think of how either how you stay within those numbers or how you can abuse them. And usually it's how you stay within those numbers. And it could... 
And I think at the highest, highest level, I, from what I've seen, man, at the, if you ever look at any match in grand finals, all that crap goes out the window. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. bro, dude, I don't know what it is, but it's the nerves. It's a lot of other factors. You'll see people, they either start playing really, really safe because they don't want to lose anything or they're just very unsure. So, like, they'll drop combos. They'll do this. They'll do that. And it's like all this, all this stuff just comes at you, man. I mean, yeah, dude, like if Daigo played by the book and he went with the term as like, you know, you don't do that because it's unsafe, we wouldn't get mm-hmm. the term Ume Shuryu, right? Yeah, man. Yo, 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 the Ume Shuryu, I love that one, man. They named uh, Shuryu after this dude because he does it every time. Mm-hmm. And bro, he still does it even like to this day. He just got better at doing it. So people will be like, oh, man. And it's weird because people will be like, oh, no, man, that's what scrubs do. Scrubs do that all the time. It was like, what? I see Dago do that to somebody all the goddamn time, bro. Like this dude, like there's a reason why like the guy did the the Evo moment. Uh, was it 33 or 34? 37. I always forget the number. 37. Damn, I'm not even off. <laughs> that one, that one, that one, he did it and he did it off like off feel and what he plays. There was no like that that whole set. There was nothing about like I can assure you, I doubt there was anything to do with like frame data, man. My dude just played and he like he did something like legendary. So yeah, I mean, one of the best examples also is, I mean, it's not just 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 uppercut and you'll win, but like yeah. Kazunoko was so notorious for his upkicks with Yun. Yeah, just, yeah. Just do it sometimes, right? And uh-huh. you have to commit because you can't can't you can't FADC upkicks. Mm-hmm. You have to commit every time. And that dude would, I mean, it's not safe, but you know, sometimes it's off of feel, and yeah, you have to dude. you have to put both of those things together. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, like you said. I think frame data is such a back burner thing when you're just starting out. And even for intermediates, it's only once you get to like really becoming comfortable with that game that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Also, one last thing on this is that frame data is so different. Like, okay, we were talking about, you said Kareen's, or was the step kick was plus five or plus four, yeah. something like that. So plus five in, or I guess let's take negative, right? So if it was negative yeah. five in Tekken, that's safe. You can't yeah, do anything that's about true. That. That, yeah, man. But in Street Fighter, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it depends right, on the dude. game. Mike Ross was another dude. Heart. Nothing but heart on that heart. dude, man. Yeah, just heart. And, and that's what makes those really cool moments become so amazing with the guy because he plays with his heart as opposed to just playing off the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he like was it he had e Honda. E Honda has this like these slaps thing, right? People just keep mashing it on people, man. And if you didn't know how to deal with it, he would do it all day to your ass, man. You know? <laughs> Or headbutt. Yeah, the slap, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. So, and yeah, you're right, man. Frame that is so different in so many different games. So it's like, it's, I feel like once you get more into things, frame that is important. Like, I think, I think even in Guilty Gear, I don't think too much about frame data, man. Cause of like, oh, so like, okay, another example in Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue, think about it. You have, uh, you have three forms of blocking. You have normal blocking, you have, uh, was it, uh, I forgot what it was called, but it's like well, I, I was just, just using, blocking. Uh, what's that? Go ahead. Was it just blocking? Yeah, yeah, just blocking or something like that, right? Yeah. Which you block right when the the person hits you. You block mm-hmm. right there, and, and then you have called instant block. I don't know what it's called in Guilty Gear. Yeah, I don't remember actually. And then you have um, I don't even remember what it's called when you use the meter to block. But like in Guilty Gear, you use meter in Blaze Blue. It's like barrier blocking. So all and then and then at the same time you have if you use barrier blocking with instant blocking. Then you have like you have like four different kinds of blocking, which change the frame that are four different ways. Right. Man, dude, that's a lot of blocking stuff to remember, man. 
yeah that is that's very difficult to keep up with just yeah just play and then as you as you become more advanced that's when you start thinking about it yeah man all righty Last question for today, and technically, Metal777 got his answer. Shoutouts to MG Brad in the YouTube comments for helping him out. But he asked on YouTube, what platform are fighting games played on competitively? Obviously, it's PlayStation 4, right? Yeah. But, but it's depending on the game. If you're playing Killer Instinct, it's going to be Xbox One. Also, certain games run better on certain uh, consoles. So, like you said, I believe Darkstalkers were played on 360, and uh, a, a couple other versions. Like back in at Evo 2015, the PlayStation 4 was out, but it had such a terrible time with the Street Fighter 4 version of, of, or rather, the PlayStation 4 version of Street Fighter 4 that they actually played Evo 2015 on a 360. So it kind of depends. Yeah. I'm going to assume the next generation is going to be PlayStation 5s unless there's going to be a new Killer Instinct and then they'll play that on Xbox. But again, we don't know if the PlayStation 5 doesn't run these games nearly as well as an Xbox or whatever, then maybe we'll go a different way, but I would assume just because the games are going to be developed for PlayStation that we're going to be using PS5s. Yeah, man. All right. That's all for the questions. We had we actually had a half a dozen. Dang, so, man. We ate all the donuts, man. Yeah, all the donuts <laughs> are gone. Now we got shout-outs of the week. Shout-outs to another indie game that's actually doing a Kickstarter. So shout-outs to Triple Hill Interactive for launching their Kickstarter campaign for their fighting game titled Die by the Blade. Die by the Blade is a one-hit-kill sword fighting game which merges the two eras of historic Japan and its rich samurai legacy, as well as a semi-futuristic backdrop and scenery. The game is designed for quick matches, as KO can be obtained by a single hit to either the head or torso. As of the recording of this podcast on October 17th, 2020, the Kickstarter campaign has nearly reached its halfway goal of $20,000, with over $9,400 pledged with 26 days remaining. If the game reaches its Kickstarter goal, it is targeting a June 2021 release date, with PC as the primary platform, with consoles to potentially follow. And it's a kind of cool little game. It reminded me of that other game we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Again, very footsie based. One hit, one kill. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. I think it's pretty cool when they uh, when they do the con. Well, it makes sense for them to do consoles first too, because like they uh, they're like you know, you're able to put your stuff faster on Steam as opposed to like uh, uh, on a console and stuff like that. Yeah, I know they're targeting consoles, but wait, did I say? Uh, I I think I just mixed myself up. I don't know. I meant to say uh, it's good that they're putting their game on PC first. I don't yes, know. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that they're targeting consoles. I'm assuming they're gonna need to maybe reach their stretch goals for console release. But mm. PC is I know they're targeting PC for sure. And after that they'll see if they can put it on obviously PlayStation, Xbox, maybe the Switch as well. The Switch could use it because after you saw the the, the game fight, <laughs> they could probably <laughs> use it. Yeah, dude. They could use a game that's pretty pretty decent and this one looks like you know i'll be honest it's not doesn't really speak to me but i it looks it looks interesting i mean i don't mind new ideas in, in the fighting game space so why not yeah i see i just saw it uh, yeah it looks pretty fun man yeah. like someone says like it looks like a successor for like bushido blade or something like that mm -hmm. 
So yeah, if you want to help those guys out with their Kickstarter campaign, you can do so. The game is called Die by the Blade. So you can look them up on Google or whatever. Kickstarter is tough. I had, yeah. a, I had a friend that he pledged for Mighty Number no. 9. Remember that game? Oh, man, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> dude, he was so mad. Right. I so feel mad. bad for that brother. <laughs> Yo, RIP to that guy. Yeah, man. Jesus Christ, dude. I think that one game that just uh, came out last year, uh, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Yeah. That, people like that. And I think that was a that, Kickstarter game. That was, yeah. Okay. So I played uh, I played the other one, the Curse older the one, moon. the Castlevania, like the first looking Castlevania SNES one. That uh-huh. one was really fun. And then I played, I haven't beaten it yet, but a buddy, a good buddy, Brand, got it for me. And he he got me also the Ritual of the Night, or, or, both of them, basically. Yeah. And I know that they are just now releasing a second one to the SNES looking one, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I think I think both of them, Ritual of the Night and Curse of the Moon, they're really cool games. Um, yeah, yeah, man. They're really good. I, I really yeah. like them. But yeah, Pringle, that is all I have for today's podcast, episode six. I don't know if you had any closing words for our lovely audience here at Hollywood. Frame that as sucks, man. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, that was plus one black. <laughs> 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 oh, man. But yeah, that's pretty much all we got. I appreciate everybody for listening and we'll be back next week. You know what? The one thing that before we get out of here, one thing that kind of scares me is that it seems the FGC is going in waves, right? We have one week of news and then one week it's dead. So hopefully (laughs) next week isn't completely dead. It'll be good. If anything, we just talk about Genshin Impact. Hell yeah. And MapleStory. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's all good. All right. All right, ladies and gents, that's all we got. I'm Max Bleiser. My co-host is Pringle the One, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.